Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello, welcome everyone to the spotlight. And look, I I don't even have to say it. You see it right there. We're talking about Cody today. Jensen, Cody's in your spotlight. Stardust is in the spotlight. Absolutely. We have Stardust talk today. I'll be removing the mask shortly because it muffles my voice so much. But yeah, we got a lot to talk about today, Jeremy. A lot going on in the life of Cody Rhodes and just in wrestling in general. A lot of good stuff this week on the spotlight. I mean, at least the Cody topic is only... He's leaving AEW. We're, that's where we're going to start. He's leaving AEW. Guys, I'm Jeremy Lambert, by the way. This is Steven Jensen, not Stardust. He's going to unmask and reveal himself. I hope you have another... I hope you have your face painted like Stardust. Oh, my God! <laughs> I did not know that was coming. I didn't know that was coming. <laughs> I felt like it was my duty being a part of this show. I have to, I have to come with these kind of shenanigans. Um, so yeah, I got, I got, I got you, I got you, right here. I did well. not know. That. Oh, it's even got. Oh man. Oh. Where do we go from here? Anyway, I couldn't do the face paint too. Sorry, y'all. But, uh... <laughs> I figured I figured that would suffice, and I can't do the show with the gloves on because it's impossible to navigate my uh, my my computer with these things on. So, oh man, go. that was tremendous. I, I mean, I I didn't think you painted your face in that short of time, but I knew you had gone to to get the mask. I did not realize you had the double up on the mask. Oh, that was so good, tremendous, <laughs> tremendous. Guys, you can you can leave a super chat, and I feel like Steven Jensen deserves some super chats for that. Great bid. Uh JJ says, hello to my favorite big star, King of the Indies Watcher. All the moving parts is healthy for the business. Victory laps for Joe and Bob. Love you guys. Thanks, buddy. Hope you're doing well, JJ. Hope things are well for you. It has been a big week in the world of wrestling. Josh says uh checking SRS's news feed every morning. It seems like there's just something new every single every single week in wrestling, but we are going to, to start and get your super chats in uh, super chats. 
Um, get your question, comment, statement read on air. Uh, you can also get your Humper Chats in, humperchats.com. Get your question, comment, statement read on air. That really helps us. That supports the show. That supports everything we do here at Fightful. And as uh, it was kind of announced this past week, uh, we hit 5,000 subscribers on Patreon with the Fightful Select, which is a, a big deal. I don't do anything over there, but Steven Jensen is over there every single week uh, with the, the Weekender. So big deal over there. And all the Super Chats and all the support with Fightful Select help, uh, help get us paid. We like money. We appreciate that. We, we want to get paid like Cody Rhodes, right? Like that's that's why he left. We want to get paid like Cody Rhodes so we can eventually leave and go off and make even more money. It's in, <laughs> Cody is gone from AEW. It is uh, – I didn't see this coming. I did not. We – I did not see this coming at, at all. Like what what are your thoughts here? You are the, the Cody Rhodes stan, the Cody Rhodes mark. On this show, we did do an entire roundtable on Cody discussing where we thought this character was going. And, you know, Cody said it's something we've never done before. We're going to surprise a lot of people. I think everybody's surprised. I don't think this is what everyone thought we were going to do or thought Cody was going to do. But I'm pretty sure people are surprised. This is the end game for him is apparently going to WWE. Yeah, this is wild. Like if you had asked me. When Cody came back and did the match with Sammy Guevara, the latter match, I would have said there was like a less than a 10% chance of him leaving. And like, even that would have been like a liberal, like high estimate at like 10%. Like, um, this is wild. I mean, there's so much, so many layers to the whole thing with him being an EVP and, and the kind of the reports about him maybe not being a part of the booking decisions going forward and Tony Khan wanting to do that solo. And there's just a lot of layers to it. Um, but I will say this, this is going to be surprising, I think, for a lot of people to hear me say, I'm really excited for Cody and WWE. I really am. Because for one, it gives me reason to want to watch the show. Like the thing's been so damn stale for years that it's like, all right, I'm interested to see at the very least what they do with Cody on that show. I don't think he's going to walk in getting blindsided. Like, I, I don't think he's going to go in and like, if he doesn't want to do Stardust, he's not going to do Stardust. Like if he doesn't, like, he has leverage in this situation. Um and, you know, he's going to make a lot of money. I mean, millions a year, uh, probably signed for like two or three years. And like, you can always come back to AEW to wrap his career up if he wants to. So um, I think it's, I think it's one of those things. He kind of, he left WWE to prove to Vince that he was a main event star and a guy that he could really invest in. Cody left and he more than did that, created their competition, uh, is a, is a massive star in the world of wrestling now. Um, and it would be shocking if he didn't treat Cody like a main eventer when he came into AEW because ever sort to WWE because they need main eventers. They've only really got Roman. Then they have like the second tier under him of like Rollins and Owens and like Balor and like, Oh, I guess Balor's even lower than that now. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like they need main event guys and big names. So like, I'm excited to see what Cody does and AEW is so stacked with talent. Like they're not going to be, you know what I mean? Like I want Cody and AEW, but like the, AEW is going to be fine without him, and, and there's openings for Cody and WWE to, to be a big star right now. So I'm actually excited for it. I think it was very obvious that the Cody stuff. I mean, we joked about the co the Cody verse, right? Like it's very obvious that the Cody stuff in AEW felt like it was a separate piece compared to what a lot of guys in that company were, were doing. The, the stuff with Malachi and then Pack and Andrade got involved. And I'm not saying this was bad. I love this stuff. I love what Cody was doing. He was trying to do something a little bit different, but again, it didn't didn't feel like it was always fitting in with everything because he has his own vision 
for wrestling. He's talked about it plenty of times. Like he likes to do the, the Southern 80s style wrestling. And that is not what Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks totally like to do. And I think Tony Khan, even though he is a wrestling connoisseur and likes a little bit of everything, the buffet, as they, they would always refer to it. I think Tony Khan leans more towards doing stuff uh, in the now more than, hey, let's go back to the 80s and do Mid-South kind of kind of things. Um, it, it was always disconnected from everything else that was going on in AEW, but you thought there was a plan with everything because you just didn't see Cody leaving. So you figured there was some type of plan. I don't know what the plan was. I, I don't think this was it. It is weird that he is now gone because it felt like all four of those guys were just going to be there forever. They helped start this company. This company does not exist. I don't want to say without Cody Rhodes because if Tony, it really doesn't exist without Tony Khan. He is the one who you know invested in it and made it what it was, got the TV deal and everything. Cody Rhodes was the one that said, I'll take that bet. The, the infamous all-in bet. Like He was the one that, that said that. He was the one, no, no offense to the Young Bucks, to Kenny Omega and everything, but they were in New Japan. They were in ROH for, for a while. When Cody left WWE out on a mission to prove himself, he was the one that kind of lifted those guys to that level and seemed like he had a bigger vision of, hey, let me just kind of keep doing what I'm doing in New Japan and ROH and see where we can go. It seemed like Cody had a bigger vision than all of that. And... AEW is not what it is, certainly, if Cody Rhodes is not there with his influence and with his backing and with his do the work, his work ethic. Like, it's just not there without him. So I was stunned to see him leave. I don't know what it comes down to if he clashed with Tony on booking ideas. We've heard the stories over the years of uh, all four EVBs have kind of lost a little bit of booking power. I don't know if it came down to money and Tony has his budget. I feel that's like, I'm sure he does have a budget. I'm sure Cody did want to get paid. You would think if it just came down to money, they would compromise somewhere. It seems like there was a little bit more to it than that. We're, we don't know the full story. We might not ever know the full story. Cody's going to be on the bump, just nodding his head, answering questions uh, about Caleb Braxton or from Caleb Braxton and everything. I don't know what the full story is with Cody. I am stunned to see him leave. You said it though. I don't think that AEW loses much and i say that as someone who was enjoying the cody stuff because his stuff was so disconnected they have such a deep roster it's like if you're losing cody okay you can kind of replace what what cody brings you with with different people um but it's going to be a different show without him it's going to be a much different show without cody Rhodes. yeah so yeah a few things um based on what you said there you know I think that Tony Khan's money expedited the process of getting AEW to like national television, the Turner networks being able to be as big as they are as quickly as they are. Um, and I don't, I don't downplay the significance and the importance of Tony Khan uh, for AEW. Like I said, he expedited the process faster than they could have ever done without him. But they did prove with all in that like, if they wanted to run like a super indie type show, they could have just run shows every handful of months probably without the backing of Tony Khan. And that, and that's why, um, that's why I bring in like, that's why my mindset is I, I do not think AEW exists without Cody. Like, I think he is, he is the biggest reason AEW exists um, as, as like a standalone having their own company. Like I said, the Tony Khan stuff and it being specifically AEW, that's, that's a, kind of another conversation. But when Cody left WWE, 
you know, it was, it was a mutual thing, obviously. Right. Cause like he left WWE, he linked up with the young bucks. He linked up with Kenny Omega and the three of them were self-made, you know, stars without needing WWE contracts. Like they were like pretty much the three biggest things outside of the WWE that were like making big money and, and doing big business. And so it I'm not also down, I'm not downplaying any of the significance of Cody or sorry, of Kenny and the bucks. Like, I think it takes all of this to happen the way that it did, but like without Cody, I think Kenny and the bucks probably just continue to have great careers in new Japan. And then like eventually probably do sign for big money in the WWE. So, um, so, but that all said, it is weird. It's very weird that AEW doesn't have Cody and, and to one to one thing, I mean, obviously I'm a massive fan of his and I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. And that doesn't mean I'm going to turn on AEW. Like AEW, I still think is the best wrestling promotion in the world with or without Cody. But it, there is a very small part of me that almost feels like he abandoned us. Because it's like, you left the company. Like you started this revolution. You changed the wrestling business. And like, you gave me a product that I love. That's way different than what the WWE has been giving me for so long. And now you're going back. It's like, but at the same time, for all we know, Cody's main goal in life right now might be he's got money. They're going to pay him well, whether he's in WWE or AEW. Maybe the deciding factor for him, honestly, was like the two things of maybe he really wants to be a booker. And like if AEW is not going to let him do it, WWE is going to pay him a lot of money to, to go over there and, and, and probably work less dates, reduce schedule potentially and stuff. Or, or and or it's totally possible that like, and this is obviously a speculation, but in my own mind, I think really deep about a lot of this stuff. And like, for all I know, Cody's main goal in life right now is to bring a WWE championship belt to Dusty's grave and just be like, dad, I did it. You know what I mean? Like that, that could be something that's super important to him, like being the world champion of the WWE because his dad never got to do it. His brother never got to do it. Like he could be the first roads to hold the world title in the WWE. And that might mean a lot more to him than, than we realize. So um, and then once again, he can always come back to AEW years down the line. Like, it's not like, it's not like Cody died. You know, people are treating this like Cody's dead. Like he, he's just going somewhere else. And that's another thing too. I've heard Brian Alvarez and others talk about it. All these moves have been WWE to AEW over and over and over again. Now there are big spots open in WWE for guys like Cody to be main event level guys. And I also think it's a tip of the cap in Vince's mind going, we got someone from them. And not only do we get someone, we got one of their EVPs. It wasn't just anybody. Like we got one of their top main people in that company. So I think that's, it's also kind of a power play on Vince's part, like showing that like, he isn't just going to sit back. I mean, imagine the Vince McMahon in the late nineties, just sitting back and like letting WCW do their thing until WWE like didn't have fans anymore. Like this, as, as disconnected as Vince has become in recent years, there's probably still some of him in there going, you know what? I'm not going to sit back and just let AEW just do what they're doing. Like we're going to fight back and, and we're going to show people that, you know, why we are the, the, the top wrestling promotion, you know, in the history of wrestling. That first Cody Rhodes, Nick Khan photo is gonna, is gonna break the internet. I hope they're both, I hope they do the, the middle fingers like a oh, Cody and Moxley after <laughs> they both do oh. that. How, how crazy, how, like how much would that blow up? Nick Khan and Cody just doing the double bird to, you know, whoever's viewing the photo be the biggest photo in, in wrestling <laughs> history. Uh, I think for Cody, uh. I think he, you, you mentioned that you feel like he kind of abandoned you. 
And I'd never really thought about that. I'm not like super, super attached to AEW. Obviously, Cody is one of he's one of their original guys. But for me, I'm looking at AEW and I think it has just kind of grown past Cody at this point. And that is why the stuff was so detached uh, from from everything else everyone was doing on that show. So I thought that AEW had kind of moved past Cody. I never even viewed it as like, oh, he abandoned me. I could certainly see how AEW fans would be like, yeah, fuck him. Like, let him go to, to WWE. We, I mean, look, the fans turned on him as it was. Cody could probably feel like the fans abandoned me. Granted, it was that promo that didn't help his cause at all. That was his own uh, doing there. It wasn't just Danielson, Punk, all these guys coming in. But I can see fans not following Cody to WWE. And I can see fans that do follow him almost like hate watching of like, can't wait till Vince buries you. Can't wait until you just, you know, lose in five seconds to Austin Theory. And then that's going to be like, that's going to be <sighs> the end of it for for Cody. Don't like, like that. I, <laughs> I, I, I think fans are just going to, they're going to be waiting to dunk on Cody. I'm very interested to see what he's going to do in WWE. I think Cody likes a challenge. And I think that's part of the reason why he's making this move as well is beyond all the other stuff in AEW, he's at where he's at, right? Like he's just, he's at where he's at. Um, He wasn't, he couldn't challenge for the world title anymore. He could win the TNT title uh, a million times and he could do different stuff, but he was just never going to surpass the level of the Omegas, the Bucks, the Danielsons, the Punks, the Moxleys, because that is what AEW is now. It is, as I said, it has kind of outgrown Cody Rhodes. And now he he thinks he can go to WWE and he sees this as a challenge. Like, they didn't let me do what I wanted to do last time. I proved I can be a star. I proved I can do this stuff on my own. He is, I think he's banking. Vince sees that. I'm the I'm the first real big jump to from AEW to WWE. And, you know, this is a, as you said, a monster jump. This is one of the four EVPs. This ain't Brian Cage. No offense to him, but this ain't Brian Cage jumping over. This is Cody fucking Rhodes jumping over here. He sees that and he's like, Vince is gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna push me. He's gonna give me this. And like, I'm gonna be able to kind of have more than I had and be able to do a little bit more of what I want to do. And even with the WWE restraints, he still views it as a challenge of like, even with those restraints, I'm going to continue to carve my own path and make my own way. I don't know if he's right or wrong on this. We will let it play out. But this is where I suspect he's at in his head. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you mentioned um, the fans had turned on him. I think that's a big part of this, too, to be honest, is he's sitting there going, all right, y'all want to boo me and boo me? And, like, you don't want me here? And you're making it really known, like, get Cody off the screen, get Cody off TV? All you people. Yeah, you people. <laughs> That's gonna be his first promo on WWE. A you people promo. Well, I'm gonna you people. Anyone watching this right now, I hope y'all are happy. Hope you feel good about yourself. You bullied Cody out of his own company. You did it. Good job. He's gone. All right. Well, now we'll see how it goes uh, elsewhere. Because I also think it's really interesting how many people. I've seen that we're just trashing Cody the last few months from these WWE Stan accounts. And now they're like, yeah, we got Cody. It's like, all right, let's, let's see how this goes. Wait, well, I, I can't wait to see the reaction. Like if Cody wins the WWE title, like right away, we'll say he becomes a champion, like within like a couple months of being there. Are people, what excuses are people going to come up with? 
Like in the, in AEW, it was he's an EVP and he's got the golden shovel and he's holding people down. He's using his stroke to to bury all these people, even though he actually raised he elevated a lot more people than he he didn't when he was there. Um, and you can look at a lot of examples of that. But like, what's the excuse going to be if Cody comes into AEW and wins the world title and he isn't an EVP and he doesn't have any pull like he did in WWE? Maybe, maybe Cody's actually just a good professional wrestler at the end of the day. I think people might want to like maybe take that into account that hate on him so much. So, I mean, look, he had a he had a five star match to close his AEW career. I think he had Great a five star match, match to open his career. Like I think the the Dustin Rhodes was a was was given five stars and. I don't put much stock in, into that rating systems. It's one person's opinion and stuff. I was there for the Sammy match. That match ruled. That was a fantastic, fantastic wrestling match. The Dustin match, one of the, one of the best in recent memory. Because you throw in the story on top of all of that, it was it was a great match. Cody had great matches in AEW. I don't think anybody watching a Cody in AEW was like, oh, this guy is an A work rate guy. Like he had great matches. It was not the matches you have come to expect from, again, like the, the Kenny Omegas and the Young Bucks and everybody, but he had very good matches and could raise his game to a new level, uh, depending on the, like the Andrade match was fantastic as well. Cody, Cody Rhodes proved everything he needed to prove outside of WWE. Now he's going to go back to WWE and he's got a lot more to prove now because now he's back in this system of you failed once. You got put with Stardust, and he did his damnedest to get that thing over. Bless him. But he was what he was, a Stardust. Now he's going in there, different person, different mentality, way different set of circumstances. We will see if he's able to to succeed and thrive in what he's able to do. I'm looking forward to it. I think at least for the first little bit, it's going to be good television. There is, of course, a very big part of me who is like, WWE can have the greatest roster of all time, and they're just going to screw it all up. And I do think... Honestly, by about month number one, month number two, that's probably where it's going to end up. I just I don't fully trust uh, that 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 they're going to do long term great with him. But that first month when he's there and the novelty is there and it's fresh, it's probably going to be really good television. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. Like my expectations when it comes to WWE are always very, very low. Like I'm not going into this expecting like this to turn the entire company around or anything like that. But it at least gives me a reason to be, get excited about something that they're doing right now. And I'll also mention this just real quick to just to the point of like how shocking everything was and unexpected about him leaving. I talked to a girl who's been training at the nightmare factory for the last two years or so. And I texted her when the news started, like when Sean's uh, you know reports and stuff were, were coming out and it was like, and I met a messenger just saying, like, did they address Cody Rhodes leaving AEW at the Nightmare Factory? And she was like, no, it was a total shocker, but I'm hearing he's going to still be here as our trainer. So um, it sounds like he's going to keep doing what he's doing with the Nightmare Factory. It's going to be interesting going forward, though, because you see it um, like with Booker T's Reality of Wrestling, for instance, like th- there's a lot of talent out of there, but it's it's looking more and more like Booker T has like that in with the WWE where we're seeing like Roxy, there, I could definitely see guys like Mysterious Q and Brian Keith potentially winding up in the WWE eventually. Um, like, I think Booker T's school kind of has like a link to WWE, but it doesn't mean they can't work AEW by any means. Um, and I feel like Cody, obviously, the Nightmare Factory was like a feeder into AEW, but now I feel like it's going to give those wrestlers options where like they could really go either way. It's going to be interesting to see how that works, though. With like, I mean, the WWE doesn't even want 
people having their own Twitch and YouTube channels, like how are they going to feel if Cody's training wrestlers to go on AEW television? Like, I don't, I mean, then again, like, I mean, Seth Rollins runs black and brave yeah, and like I, their, their wrestlers think, can go do whatever they want. So I think it'll be okay. Obviously nightmare factory has big ties to, to AEW compared to black and brave and reality of wrestling. Um, but I think, I don't think it'll be too big of a deal. WWE has the performance center. If they see somebody that they like out of any of these schools, they'll sign them and they'll bring them to the performance center. And if not, they will just, they'll let them go to AEW, let them do whatever, whatever they want. I, if anything, Cody's going to be the one with the inside scoops. I'm like, Hey, AEW is thinking about signing this person. What do you think? Like, maybe you should snatch them up first. I think this person's really good. And it could lead to bigger issues if they don't sign any of these people. Um, well, and last I, thing I just want to say just really quickly to this point yeah. before we get past it, I think not only when it comes to the training, is this important? I think it's important when WWE starts courting more AEW wrestlers because yeah. th their long-term play might not even really be, I mean, Cody's obviously a humongous signing, but their long-term play could very well be, we treat Cody good for the next couple of years. And when MJF and us are negotiating, he hits up Cody and goes, Hey, how are you, how are you getting treated over there? Like they're telling me they're going to offer me all this stuff. And like, I'd love to be in the locker room with you again. I know you have my back. Like, I mean, this could be a way of down the line getting guys like MJF, getting women like Jade Cargill, who I think Jade is like tailor made for the WWE. So, like, there, there I think that this could be a, a, a kind of a if they treat Cody well, because here was the flip side, right? Back in the day, like Sting wouldn't come to the WWE back in the early two thousands because they saw how they were treating Booker T and like those kind of guys. If if Cody comes in there and he's treated like a real star and he doesn't get quote unquote punished like his dad did for doing the same thing he did competing with Vince and all this stuff. If Cody gets treated well, that could be a big sign for like AEW wrestlers that like, maybe we will try our luck over in WWE down the line. And if they are going to treat us that way. And we know Cody like has his guys right in, in AEW award those one on Ricky Starks is probably the, the biggest one. And I, I don't know Ricky's contract situation, but Ricky is kind of on and off television. I don't know if he's doing anything at the pay-per-view. He is certainly a name where if they see, oh, they're, he's doing well over there with WWE, they have more spots available than AEW right now. They just do because they've released all this talent. They just have more spots available compared and to more AEW. more money just to spend. They also have, yeah, more money to spend. And if they, they see Ricky and is like, hey, you know what? He's doing well. Or Ricky sees Cody. is like, he's doing well. Cody's putting in good words and stuff. Ricky could end up end up there because he is a Cody guy. And get Cody has more guys than just Ricky. Ricky is a big one because of the open challenge. He's been on road to the top. That's why I, I mentioned him specifically. But to Jensen's overall point, if AEW guys do see Cody's doing pretty well over there, it could give them more credence. Hey, you know, let's let, let me try my luck over there because right now there's just only so many spots in, in AEW. And that's what's gonna happen when you keep signing all these guys. AEW just brought in. Keith Lee, he's obviously going to be a major player for them. Uh, our next topic that we're going to get into seems like Buddy Mur Buddy Matthews is coming to AEW as part of uh, House of Black. Uh, they teased it last night. Uh, Malachi mentioned the history. Uh, and then a, a man who looked pretty similar to Buddy Matthews showed up standing right behind them. Um, oh, yeah, Ricardo, I apologize. I'm going to read the Humper chat because you are you did leave one on Cody. My, my fault on that. Uh, he said, on Cody, go get paid, brah, but then don't complain when your bootlicking tastes shitty. You've lost uh, that goodwill. That's oh, come fair. on, Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to stay optimistic over here because, like, I just don't want to see Cody get done dirty. Like, I'm just such a fan. Like, I, I 
but I, it's totally possible. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I'll put it that way. And Ricardo also says the Fed has a huge opportunity to show AEW talent. Uh, they will be treated well. My call is that the Fed will fuck us up in a year or less. You give them a year, like that's that's a uh, that's good, Ricardo. I I give them like two months to just make me be like, all right, Cody Rhodes is just a guy. Like that's just how it is. If it was a bet, we would both easily take the under on a year for that. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. I definitely, I would definitely take the under on a year. Uh, yeah, guys, you can get your Humper Chats in, humperchats.com. They, they will get right on air. Sorry, Ricardo, I was flowing. I had a nice transition there with uh, Buddy Matthews and, and Malachi, but I, I will get them uh, read. Uh, so yes, Buddy Matthews seems like he's coming to AEW as well. And this is an example of they are signing guys and they are, like, these are great talents. There's no doubt about that. These are top-notch talent. Matthews can go in there and he can have a match with anybody. He's going to be part of uh, House of Black. You can do a bunch of different combinations with them, especially with the, the death triangle, whether it's tag team, whether it's trio stuff. But when you keep signing these guys, slots are being taken from guys who have been there for a while. And some of these guys, sure, they didn't need to be on television. It's okay that they're off for a little bit. Some of these guys, Ricky being an example, should probably be on television weekly. Yeah. Yeah, I... I, I I guess I'm like I'm really excited for Buddy Murphy to come in, um, because it also makes a little more sense. Where he kind of like when he left the WWE, he had a lot of buzz, right? Everyone was like, "Man, where's he gonna go?" He's like, he, everyone compares him to Kenny Omega because like their move set and the way that they they wrestle and stuff like that. Everyone really wants to see a match like that, and and uh, you know he had some big matches post WWE, but it was kind of one of those things where I think the big the big bud matt fans out there we're all like like where is he like is he coming to AEW? like you know it's got to be a matter of time right but like he isn't there yet i think they were all getting a little nervous like why isn't he in AEW yet like he has the talent to be and now it's like this AEW picking their spots really well in my opinion like they 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 do a good job of like debuting people at the right time i think and and the way the things that the way the cards have fallen in the house of black right now, it's like the timing was perfect for Brody Lee to come in because like, you knew ring of honor was closing shop. He has that link to Malachi, their tag team, PWG tag, PWG tag team champs, all that stuff. And it's like, everyone automatically thought like, all right, Brody King's got to be coming in to, to, to the house of black. Like it's going to happen eventually. So it did. And now it's like, things are simmering a little bit with them. Like they've got some tag team wins and now it's like, now is the time to debut buddy. And I think it, I think it just all, everything just kind of worked out as it should, I think. And I think he's going to have a really good career in, uh, in AEW. Like I think he's great in the ring and that's really all you need in AEW at the end of the day. Like if you have, if you, if you can have good matches, like you can have a good career in AEW. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for it. And the internet seemed to be pretty excited for it as well. And, uh, yeah, how do you feel? Like, do you think this is like a good match? Like having him enter that group, like for his debut? Uh, Ricardo says Kenny Omega versus Beto Omega is gonna hump. Literally, <laughs> everyone calls him Better Omega. I I'm a fan of of Buddy Matthews in ring. He's tremendous. This House of Black stuff is not for me. It is mm. it is just not. I don't care about the tarot cards and whatever he's doing, drinking blood and all this stuff. It is just it's not for me. I think in the ring, all of these guys are great. I can't wait to see them do these tag matches. I can't wait to see them do these trios matches and whatever singles combinations that they do. I just, this stuff is just not 
my cup of tea when it comes to to Malachi Black. And that is where I'm a little concerned about Buddy Matthews is he's going to do this little character here and then Brody King and all. They're going to just try to keep doing this stuff. I don't know where it's going. I, I assume Malachi has, has one plan. We will see if that is how uh, it all plays out. But it's it's just honestly not for me. Yeah, I, I'm not into like the the actual like specifics like you just said like the like the tarot cards and like that kind of stuff like i'm that's not really for me either but what i do like about what he's doing is how it's someone in the chat uh stewart in the chat said lore i I like that they're they're acknowledging the history in the past of what he of what malachi did and was like and is outside of wwe and outside of AEW and like this kind of like the, like the the malachi thing obviously his face when he showed up it was just like a little bit of stuff on his face like the, the the makeup or whatever and now it's like covering like half his face and i think you know that's going to tie into like him and murphy's history from the wwe and then you know they had the history with brody king and and pwg and whatnot and all that so it's just like i i understand what they're doing with it and i do like the visuals of the group when they're in the arena live like i think it's cool yeah. how I, the entrance is cool um they're really well protected in their matches um so i i think it's something that i'm i'm in i'll put it this way um i don't know if you'd agree or not but i'm more interested in buddy matthews coming in doing this maybe like kind of a darker character as a part of house of black i think that sounds a lot more interesting than just like buddy matthews being similar to like a tony niece type signing yes. where like he just comes in not a whole lot going on has good matches but like isn't really that featured Oh, a hundred percent on that because they've they've done that with a lot of people. You you mentioned Tony Nice. That's that's a perfect example. Uh, Jay Lethal is another one. Like they kind of gave Jay Lethal a little something as replacing Leo Rush, but I don't know what their overall plans are for for Jay Lethal. I'm much more interested in okay, cool, bring them in, have a plan to to do something with them instead of just yeah, you're just kind of coming in and you can just have good matches on on dark and things like that. So I I hundred percent agree with you there. It's still just not my cup of tea as to far as to what they're doing with Buddy Matthews. But it's good that they do have a plan with him. Malachi, his face is gonna grow to, to Mojo Raleigh level with the how with the, it with the lightning bolt with the yes, yeah. how it spreads across his face. Um like the matches should be good, right? Like they're doing Brody and, and Malachi against Pac and Penta again next week. I assume that's where buddy makes his debut i don't know what the timetable is on phoenix i know it looked terrible but it seems like he's gonna be back sooner rather than later those trio matches will be great like give me give me buddy against phoenix one-on-one whenever phoenix is something give me buddy against pack one-on-one like all of these matches are going to be great i am more interested in i'm more interested in the matches and then where it's all going because right now i don't really care for it if it leads to something great and there is a long-term plan of like hey this is what's gonna happen cool i don't know how long you can kind of keep up brody king when he was on talk of jericho he mentioned he compared it to like ministry of darkness undertaker and like for me that kind of got old really fast and uh, that that undertaker was done because of um he was kind of limited in the ring by by that point so he just did this character but like that stuff got very old and then it got very convoluted and i don't need that in in aew especially with how good these guys are in the ring I, I just don't need a ministry of darkness group in in aw see and i'll actually 
differ with with that oh someone's okay. waving to me from outside they got a little yorkshire terrier <laughs> Wave back. Their dog. There you go. um they got so many yorkies around. <laughs> i love little yorkies they're the best um but uh but yeah so anyways um i, I actually love the ministry of darkness so okay. like i so i and i thought that was the best version of the undertaker like i loved i loved that the theme song the whole thing the theme but, was great but, yes, but then the it got it got convoluted great. when like the corporate ministry became a thing and vince they got involved and all that but like the original ministry I, I did like the concept of um but that also being said tony khan definitely i mean obviously he's he's paying attention to what the, the fans want to see so i think at the end of the day like once we get buddy matthews and omega like that's just going to be like a huge win for the wrestling community i think so like if if, if nothing else comes of buddy matthews being an AEW. I guarantee you we get him and Omega at some point soon. And like, then, yeah. and, and he'll, Tony will give the fans what we wanted to see with that. So I would, I would hope so. Uh, as we kind of learned with Cody is, you don't know how quickly things are going to change because they left <laughs> sure. a lot of Cody matches on the table, probably thinking that he was going to be around for the long term. And we didn't get a lot of stuff we could have easily gotten with Cody. There were, there are still way more dream matches for Cody and AEW than WWE. Like way more. Yeah. Like, I mean, Sting and Cody alone. I I am appalled that we didn't get that match in AEW. Like that was such a home run slam dunk should have happened. Because in WWE, as excited as I am to see what he does there, honestly, the only person I'm really like excited to see him wrestle is Roman. Like, uh, and and maybe Brock, even though I don't think he would beat, I think he has a chance of maybe beating Roman, but Roman would probably get the win back. I think Brock would just suplex city him to, to oblivion. Um, he treated like the John Moxley WrestleMania match and just destroying him. Probably. (laughs) Um, I can, I get a hundred percent see Brock reacting to, to Cody like that. I don't know if Brock's going to be up for some of the stuff Cody might want to do. You're like, no, 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 this is what we're doing, pal. Like, you got to bump around for me. I ain't doing too much because Brock, when he wants to be tremendous, one of the best, but when he doesn't want to be, you get that, you get the Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, WrestleMania match. Uh, JJ got, uh, says, super chats. So yeah. Yes. Thanks. JJ says, Josh Alexander stays or goes. Uh, I think he ends up staying with impact, but it is a little disconcerting that nothing was sort of um, nothing. Nothing was sort of worked out between them. And his visa has now expired. The visa is the biggest thing more than the contract. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope, honestly, I don't, I say, I hope he stays an impact because he has unfinished business there. Like they're still mid storyline right now with him, you know, becoming the world champion again. So, but this is such an impact thing. I hate to say it, but they do this all the time. Like they wait way too long to actually push the right people. And then by the time they've actually pushed them, their contracts are up and they leave. If if they did that entire Josh Alexander story and then they did the moose angle to get their heat and that was the end and Alexander doesn't win the title ever again, just a complete bad faith move. And I know people at the time even said, oh, it's because this contract's going to be up. It's because this contract's going to be up. It's like, okay, you could still give him a run with that title before his contract expires. You don't have to screw him out of the belt two seconds after he wins it with his family in the ring and stuff. Yeah. One on top of that, it's like he had an exhibition title run for like the better part of a year, I want to say. So like you could have done that with the world title. Like, like, why are you waiting so long to to push these the, the wrestlers? Because here's the thing with impact is like 
do I think Moose is a good champion for Impact? Sure. Like I, I like Moose. I like Moose a lot more than most people probably do. Uh, as like as a professional wrestler, or at least like the the, the progress he's made in the in recent years has, has been impressive to me. He's gotten a lot better, um, and he looks like a pro wrestler. But he's one of it's one of these things where it's like they do this so often, and they're gonna wind up in the same position with guys like Chris Bay and uh, and Ace Austin and these kind of guys when their con- contracts are coming up because they. For whatever reason, they have this mindset of like, we don't want to push. We're going to keep going back to what's safe. We'll keep going back to Eddie Edwards, Sammy Callahan, like these kind of guys who we know aren't going anywhere ever. But it's like, how many people are you losing because you aren't pushing them? And by the time you do, it's too late. Like if I'm impact, I'm taking the risk of, well, yeah, there's a, there's a possibility if we push them and they become big stars when their contract's up now we've raised their market value and they're going to you know, leave and be bigger stars somewhere else. I mean, there's always a fear of that, but you're guaranteeing this happening over and over again. The only person, I mean, Moose has outside of the ring stuff that prevents him from probably going other places, but Jordan Grace stayed. I was shocked that she stayed like, but I'm happy for, because I think Jordan Grace rules, but they don't even do that much with her on the show. Like she should be featured. We talked about it here on the show. She should be featured in like the world title mix with like the 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 actual main world championship. She's that good. And it's like they just keep doing this over and over and over again. They're afraid to push people because they're afraid they're gonna leave. But it's like, don't you think there's a better chance of people maybe staying if they are pushed for a longer time? Like if you've been pushing Ace Austin this entire time and he's already been a world champion by now and he's consistently a main eventer, I think there's a better chance of him staying with the company. Then you going, all right, uh, Ace Austin's uh, contract comes up in six months. Let's go and put the title on him now. And then he's like, okay, cool. Yeah, I finally got it. It was way too late. I'm still going to leave. Like it just, it just, that's just how I feel about him. It's like a, it's like a carousel of them just doing this with people over and over and over. And Josh Alexander is just a perfect example of it. You waited forever to put the world title on him. You finally did it. It was one minute long title reign. And now it's like, if AEW is calling, like, why wouldn't he entertain going somewhere else? Like, if he's, that's how, he, like, that was the peak for him in, 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 in impact up to this point was a one minute long world title reign. Like, after like a year of carrying the company as the exhibition champion, like, I mean, it's just, it's, I, I don't know, they just keep doing it to themselves. And, and I don't get it. I've, Ace Austin is, is a perfect example of this of like you said is they probably got a better chance of staying if you actually like push these guys instead of hey we're worried you leave so we're afraid to do anything with you and i understand guys come in guys take spots and stuff we, we mentioned AEW, like they're bringing in brian danielson and cm punk those guys they're gonna take these spots uh w morrissey probably not a guy that should be in your main event picture taking these spots over some of your younger talent that's just that's just me yeah. When anyone who thinks this is a work, I I get that because I see that too. But I don't think he's doing that. And then like, because if he's not with Impact and his visa expires basically because of that, he's not intentionally like be pulling out a terminus and stuff. Like there's no yeah, way they're, they're advertising him for things. And he's like, oh, we're going to really work the fans who have bought tickets to terminus. Like and I'm not going to come anymore just for an Impact story. I don't, I don't buy that at all. Yeah, that when he started pulling out of events, that's when it was like, oh, I don't, I don't know about this. And I know, like, like they got no surrender th- this weekend, and yeah. so it's possible he shows up there, and then he can still make the the indie dates because it is a work. That's an elaborate work, and 
you know, bless them if that's the route they're going with this stuff. By the way, me and Denise Salcedo, this Saturday, no surrender post show um right here on fightful this this channel so there you go uh alan march says as i understand malachi black um had a complete story written when he approached tk with it i i know he said that again plans can very easily change like very easily change with that stuff but i'm sure malachi does have it all written out of where he wants to go with it but again plans change um let's move on to, to wwe we spent 42 minutes on aew and then we even did impact we have more impact talk coming up and jj derails <laughs> us with impact talk uh wwe your wwe spotlight for this week jensen my wwe spotlight is the question that i've really been uh, wrestling in my own mind when cody goes to wwe will cody gain control of nxt 2.0 and then turn it into his vision of NXT 3.0, but then work it into his contract that since he's there and they have the rights, he turns NXT into WCW. I'm for this. Let's do it. Let's just turn NXT into WCW. I mean, they had to give back the trademarks, but Cody has those trademarks, right? Like, yeah, he, he actually has the, the slamboree and all those trademarks. Like, they tried to do it. Like so, Joel Farrell says, "World Cody, Cody wrestling. wrestling." I love it. I love that, Joel. I love that. Me and Joel later tonight, Fightful Gaming, Twitch, <laughs> seven uh, seven Eastern. All right, I'm I, I am fine. I'm fine with uh, Cody. I said it before. Like, Cody is Vince McMahon's favorite son now. He's he's he is going to hand NXT over to Cody. He's like, look it, look, my dipshit son-in-law couldn't do anything with it. It's all yours. I trust you more than I trust him. I like yes. it. Yes. I like it. Now my real spotlight this week is actually <laughs> um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. It sounds like he's going to come back to the ring and he might be wrestling Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. So yeah, that's my spotlight. I think that's pretty crazy. I mean, that and that kind of, it kind of ties in with the Cody conversation of their, they have a lot of money that they can spend. They have a lot of open spots. They don't have a lot of stars. They have basically, they have one full-time star in Roman Reigns, and they have two way bigger stars that aren't there all the time in Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey. Uh, Steve Austin wrestling for the first time in 19, 20 years uh, in Texas. They got to put butts in those seats. Two nights of WrestleMania in Jerry World in, uh, in Dallas. So, like, um, how do you feel about this, Jeremy? Uh, Steve Austin 20 years later in the ring against potentially Kevin Owens. Steve Austin, my favorite wrestler of all time. I, I grew up during during the Attitude Era and loved everything Austin did. I got a million Steve Austin action figures and shirts and just all the Austin merchandise memorabilia. Do I need to see him wrestle again? Absolutely not. Not 20 years later. I thought he had he had a perfect final match. He concluded the trilogy. The Mania trilogy with The Rock. Was it the best technical match ever? Absolutely no. But it it told a great story. And people forget that like it was his last match because it wasn't made a big deal of out of the time. It was just he was done and that was it. And I know he came back for a bunch of stints and, and did a bunch of stuff. But he has such a great final match. And I don't think he's going to go out there and shit the bed against Kevin Owens or anything. It's pretty tough to have a, a match... Um, or a bad match against Kevin Owens, especially the kind of match like they'll probably have. It'll be punches, Luthez press, stunner, mud hole stomps, things yeah. like that. It ain't going to be this work rate match. That was never Austin, especially after the neck injury. Um, but I just, I don't need to see it. I really do not need to see the return of, of Stone Cold 
wrestling, even if it is against Kevin Owens, and I think they can tell a great story. And Owens has already started telling this story. We're taking the shots at Texas. Like I think they can tell a great story. I think they they will have a perfectly acceptable wrestling match. It is not a match I need to see. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way, um, but I get why they're doing it. It totally makes sense why they're doing it. It, it is a bummer, though, like that all these years, right? And he did have the, a great last match when and he lost to The Rock, and no one knew it was his last match, you know, that, that was watching it. I, I remember watching that live inside of a U.S. play. Remember U.S. play? Like, the, there was like a, it was like a bowling alley and like arcade. They used to show, uh, I used to, when I was younger, I used to have to go watch the WWF pay per views in, places called us play and i go to hooters also um because they used to show the pay-per-views at hooters so um y'all i'm a very loyal fan i, I watch the pay-per-views <laughs> out in public with random fans and stuff eating hot wings but uh that was a great send-off and for all these years for the last 20 years steve austin has been saying consistently like the bug is gone i don't want to come back I had a good end of my career. I'm fine right off of the sunset. It took him years to like kind of uh, like wean off the adrenaline rush needs that he got from wrestling. Like he found other passions that he enjoyed. And in I think his podcast, you know, he's a really, really good job. Does a great job of like interviewing people. And, and uh, so anyways, but it's like one of those things where I love Kevin Owens, but like, damn, like if he was going to come back, if he were there was a chance this whole time, like we missed him and Cena and Cena's prime. We missed him and punk when punk exploded in like the 2010s. Um, I mean, there's, there's all these dream matches that were like, in my opinion, way bigger than Austin coming back to wrestle Kevin Owens. Yeah. But that said, it also makes a lot more sense why Kevin Owens probably resigned with the company now because people were so convinced he was leaving WWE. But what if during negotiations they're like, Hey, we're going to give you all this money to stay. Plus we're going to get you Austin at WrestleMania. He's like, yeah, I'm staying. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I get that at that point. Same with Sami Zayn. Like, people can knock the whole Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville stuff all they want. But, like, this gets Sami Zayn's name out there to the mainstream. And in a way that he doesn't have to go back to the indies and do the stuff he did as El Generico to get over in the ring. He can do hardly anything and just be, like, a character on WWE and get paid millions of dollars. So, like, I I think this is a part of, the, of, of all of this. Is like, it makes a lot more sense now why Owens would probably want to stay outside of the money um you know obviously and then uh and then austin like i don't i don't need to see it like i'm fine with never seeing austin wrestle again but i'm not gonna lie um it's the same kind of thing as like when it's different but the same in a way it's like bill goldberg right like i knocked bill goldberg for coming back over and over and over again but every time i see him actually doing his entrance for a match my mind goes back to 1998 steven wcw mega fan in atlanta georgia and i'm just like Goldberg, gold, and I get into it for like three minutes. You know what I mean? Um, Steve that's Austin. A, that's all the match lasts, anyways. Yeah, right, minutes. exactly. That's all, that's all it needs. Even Roman's gonna be like five minutes, like that yeah. maximum. They're gonna but do like, the stupid spear barricade spot. Take a shot when they do that. Down whatever you're drinking when they do the dumb barricade spot. Yeah. And I just don't want to see Austin come back and be like a lesser version of himself. Like we, we can't expect him to be He's damn near 60 son. He's going to be a lesser version of himself. But I'm just saying like, as long as he can do the things that you said, he can stomp a mud hole in someone in the corner. He can do, he might not even be able to do a Luther's press. I don't know how his knees are and his hips are. I have no idea, but if he can just at least do one stunner. And that's the thing with this too, is I expect it to be a match, but even if, 
I, I, let me put it this way. I see some people saying, well, it might just be a segment at WrestleMania where Owens comes out. He's talking trash about Texas. Austin comes out, hits him with some stunners and like the crowd goes crazy. But my, my mindset is if he's able to do that, just promote an actual match between the two of them. Even if it's Austin winning in, in three minutes with, with five stunners on a row or whatever, like, you know, at least, and then at least then Austin can go, I won my last match. I came back. I got that feeling one more time. I just don't want to see it become a Goldberg type thing, even though I just kind of praise Goldberg just then. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not of the camp of people who want to see Goldberg on the show anymore, but I don't want to see that happen to Austin. I don't want to see it where like now we see Austin like four times a year come out and like barely right. can move. And like, you know, I, I just don't want to see it come to that, but I, I would love to see Austin come back to WrestleMania, look good, look healthy, do the stuff you remember he can do. I don't know if he can still do the double birds or not. Cause it's PG. Don't know if he can drink beer or not. Cause it's PG, but like, you know, if we get, if we get a real taste of like the Steve Austin that never got to like, really, cause that was the other thing about his retirement. It was cool that we didn't know, but at the same time, it's also really nice. Like when you do know it's someone's last match and you can like really send them off and like give them a real tribute as fans. So like maybe that we can kind of do that with Austin uh, for WrestleMania this year. And, and maybe, maybe that's how, how they would treat it. It would obviously be a big send off. I'm with you. I don't need to see Steve Austin. I don't need to see him in this match. I definitely don't need to see him past this match either. Um, my thing with Austin is like, I don't think he needs to win either. Like if he's mm. going to face Kevin Owens, I would have Owens win that match. WWE never does that. I would say that there's any chance, but it would help. Like, it would help Owens a whole lot. I'm not, it would help Owens. I could, I could maybe see Austin pushing for it as well because Austin likes Owens. He gave him the stunner. Owens asked for, for permission to use that, and and he got it from Austin. So he likes Owens. It is Austin, who is a notorious businessman when it comes to this stuff, and, and looks at, like, okay, what's the best play here? You know, does he look at this like, oh, yeah, me going in here and beating Kevin Owens, this really helps everybody. Like, I feel like Austin, at least old Stone Cold, maybe this Stone Cold is like, ah, who gives a shit? They want me to win. I'll win. Whatever. But I feel like old Stone Cold would be like, no, like, why would I come in here and and beat this man who is the full-time guy and I'm just coming in here for one match? It ain't going to hurt Austin to lose. No one's going to be like, they buried Steve Austin. Like, no one's going to say anything about that. Like, I think Owens should win this match if they do it. I really do. Yeah, I mean, as a Steve Austin, or sorry, as a Kevin Owens fan, I, I agree with you. I just don't, um, and as a Steve Austin fan, I agree with you. I, I just uh, I just don't see that happening. I mean, did did Owens even win his feuds with, like, Shane and stuff when they did that? He technically like, did, because he beat yeah. Shane in that ladder match on the, the first Fox show, and then... Um, and he headbutted Vince, too. Yeah, he headbutted yeah. Vince. And, I mean, then Shane eliminated him from the Rumble this year, which went over really well. Um, oh, the funniest thing ever was, was it me and you talking about that? I like, I, I legitimately was like laughing until I couldn't breathe when someone mentioned to me that Shane McMahon had written himself in the Royal Rumble to outbox <laughs> Matt Riddle. And I was like, oh my God, that's the funny, I, I was laughing so hard. Um, But, but yeah, I mean, I'll put it this way. Is it probably the right thing to do to have for the future of the business, especially for Kevin Owens? Yeah, like I, it would be great if they really 
put him in a position to like really be a top guy there because they need more top guys. He had the universal title, but when he did, it was really more about him and Jericho, and he was kind of like an afterthought. Uh, the and then he lost the more. two seconds to Goldberg. So. And then he lost the two seconds to Goldberg. You're right. So I, I'm a big Owens fan. I was a big Kevin Steen fan pre-WWE. I, I, and as a matter of fact, Kevin Owens is my favorite NXT champion ever. Like I love that era of NXT when he came in. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan. And for him, I think it would be great to see him beat Austin. I just don't see... I just don't see them doing it. I think Austin comes in and just squashes him. And that's probably what they'll end up doing. I think the better move would just have Kevin Owens win. At some point, you've got to have one of these guys win. And I'm not talking Roman because Roman's their top guy and he's always going to win these match, these nostalgia matches and whatnot. But like at some point, just put somebody over in one of these matches. And I do think the Austin of old, you know, Austin of old, if he if he's out there and then Hogan comes back and he's doing a one time match and Austin of old's like, wait a second, you're gonna have Hulk just beat me like this? I don't think so. Like I'm going over in this match. It's better business if I go over. So we will we will see with that. And look, I, I'm not happy if this match happens. I'm not gonna be like, I don't wanna see it. I don't need to see this man wrestle at his age. Am I gonna pop like hell when that glass shatters? Yeah. 100%. I'm gonna be like Steven Jensen on the couch, throw, throwing up the arms, throwing up the birds, drinking, drinking the Dr. Pepper on the couch and everything, getting getting the sofa all ruined and whatnot. I'm gonna stun all the kids, go around just dishing out the stunners <laughs> to all the kids, and have a party when that glass shatters and he's making that walk to the ring. Hell yeah. Jorge Sandoval says, pretty crazy how much of a W this Cody thing is in the eyes of WWE against a company who apparently isn't competition. We all know the competition. Yeah, absolutely. No matter what they say. My WWE WWE spotlight is Brock Lesnar and this interview he did with Pat McAfee because Brock Lesnar doesn't do a lot of interviews, uh, especially like very public ones like this. What a tremendous man this guy is. He was telling stories. My favorite story of the whole thing we were talking about where he's fighting his brothers. And he's like, yeah, they, they would pick on me. And then I got big enough. I'd kick the shit out of my parents and sit back on the sofa, drink a beer and be like, ah. Had it coming. What can you do? He's telling, he's talking about anxiety, how he's like, just leave me the fuck alone. He was talking about his relationship with Vince and Dana. Um, he was talking about, you know, he's in the business of making money and he's going to stop when those dollar bills stop y'all. Uh, just what a character this man is. And I think a lot of people like always kind of knew it and saw it because it would come through every now and again on television. But it, because of Paul Heyman always talking and everything, it wasn't always as prevalent as it is now where he's doing his own talking and he's a baby face. This interview just really showed like who Brock Lesnar like really is. And what a guy, what a guy Brock Lesnar. Dude, what an interview too. I mean, I watched that whole thing and I was like, part of me is like, WWE's had this guy for two decades and like yeah. you could have done so much more if we knew he had this kind of personality like he's been pretty much the same guy up until recently with his like and he's really never been a baby face outside of like the short run early 2000s when uh when Heyman turned on him back then for big show outside of that like he's pretty much always been the heel and like quiet and other people talk for him and he just beats people up but what I like so much about that interview is he was like, he's like, yeah, I, you know, everyone knows the story of him, you know, leaving WWE initially and he didn't really love pro wrestling and the travel and all that stuff. But now he's like, he's like, man, I love doing this. He's like, and what else would I do? Like, I, what I, it's like, I, I sit around and I, I do my farming and I work hard and I hang out with my kids and stuff. But like, 
if I wasn't doing pro wrestling, what else would I really be doing? You know, he, he can fight in the octagon and stuff too. And I loved hearing him talk about kind of the similarities, similarities and differences of like Vince and Dana, kind of like the difference in negotiating. And he really sees Vince as like a father figure and Dana more as like a guy he can go make money with and, and make money from kind of thing. And, uh, and I, yeah, I thought it was an incredible interview. It was really peeling back a layer to Brock where I want more of that guy. Like, like, that he that wasn't that was a fantastic interview and he's out there doing Steve Austin impressions like oh what um, yeah he's, he's flexing he's like what what yeah it was so good <laughs> damn um, son so yeah I mean and that's also partly I'm sure due to the respect he has for McAfee because there's also like a different level of respect I think Brock has for guys that are like yes. also pro athletes and like you know treat him a certain way and stuff like that and he. And he gave McAfee props and said, you're the, you're the best thing about SmackDown. Just hearing you basically mark out on, on commentary, like makes the show. So like Brock was really complimentary and um, it was a great interview. I'd, I'd highly recommend anyone listen to it that didn't. It was like an hour long, but it was totally worth it. I, I don't watch McAfee's show all the time, uh, but I, I watched the WWE interviews when he has WWE people, people on. And he's great because one, he is in the business. He is a commentator on SmackDown. Two, he is he is a former athlete as an NFL punter, and three, like he is just a fan of this stuff, and that obviously comes across on SmackDown. But he is just a complete fan of this stuff, and so he can just go in there and just kind of bullshit with the guys and, and talk to them when they're on their shows. You listen if you listen to a lot of these WWE interview podcasts and stuff. I listen to a ton of them. You can tell a difference between even if it's like a WWE oriented podcast, like like Take After the Bell, for example. There are certain restrictions that just like it doesn't feel like the most comfortable thing. It feels very cookie cutter of what they're talking about and stuff. McAvee is so laid back and so like just doesn't give a fuck because McAvee has said it himself. It's like, I don't need the money to do this. I like having fun doing this. And so he is so laid back and can make everybody feel comfortable. You can really see kind of true personality come out on these guys more than your typical like cookie cutter interview with any other WWE personality so i think they should put more wrestlers on pat McAfee's show one because it does a lot of good viewership from from everything that i've seen and two you can get to see more of the personality with these guys on it so i, I think pat McAfee's a tremendous interviewer his show from the stuff that i have seen seems very entertaining and this brock lesnar interview was just like peak peak stuff this week so good that i didn't even care what happened on wwe television this was the best thing of the week in wwe for me is watching this brock lesnar interview yeah yeah I, I i very much enjoyed it um there was something i was gonna, i had on the tip of my tongue and i just lost it um what was i about to say about this about this interview and this show i know it'll, i know it'll come back to me um but yeah so do you think they should that they should use this more um like this personality that brock has like just more on tv like i mean he's shown oh, that yeah. he's like a hilarious guy and they're starting to do it a little bit more because Heyman's not there to talk to him or talk for him. So they're definitely starting to do it more. It is just like you said, though, they've had this guy forever. And like they're just now getting around to doing this. It's very similar to, to the Roman thing of like they've had this Roman Reigns forever. And like they're just now making him this like heel killer persona when people wanted it for years. I don't think that Brock has... You know, I, I don't think that many people knew that like Brock had this in him. Like we sort of knew Roman always had this heel character in him. Uh, but they they should have known that they Brock had this in him based on just being around him this much. And it just it never happened. But 
Brock yeah. is, Brock was tremendous in this. And now he's going to win the title at Elimination Chamber. And people I agree. Will I think he's winning the title back this Saturday. And what I was going to say, it just came back to me, was with the with the McAfee show, I think they continue, continue to use it to progress stories because it was a great tool for him and Adam Cole in NXT. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was – and by the way, I'll say it. Pat McAfee is the best celebrity pro wrestler I've ever seen in my life. Like, he he killed it in his, his match with Adam Cole and then that War Games match. Like, um, so he deserves a lot of credit uh, for a, a lot of the stuff he's doing. I think he's a terrible professional wrestling commentator. Like, I think he's terrible. But, wow. but no, but listen, but I think he's perfect with the WWE needs in commentary. Like, okay. for, for the same way that, like, my favorite commentary team of all time, non-ironically, like, I'm not joking about this. People always think I'm joking. My favorite commentary team in wrrestling history is Mike Tanay and Don West in, in, in TNA. Like, yeah. because you had the professor, Mike Tanay, who was like t- keeping keeping you in the loop of what's going on, the stories, the background, the moves, all that kind of stuff. And you had Don West just marking out next to him as a fan. And that's what McAfee brings to the table. He brings a level of, of fandom and excitement that you just don't get from the cookie cutter kind of people, the generic type announcers that they kind of produce in the WWE and as long as he has a guy like uh Michael Cole next to him that can continue to be kind of like the straight man next to him and like and keep the the sports aspect of it going I love that I love seeing McAfee up there and 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 rocking out to Nakamura's theme song and like just 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 marking out like because that I think that translates to the fans that are watching the show going like he's having a blast watching this show and I'm having a blast listening to him have a blast you know like I think it's I think it's infectious and that's that's very fair. Michael Cole is so polished and so buttoned up and technically great, especially in the WWE universe, that McAfee does bring and Cole has said it, like he brings a different energy that if it Corey Graves just a lot of times he's just trying to get his stuff in. He likes to to needle a little bit. It doesn't always come off as authentic as maybe they would hope it to be. McAfee, very authentic when he's sitting next to, to Michael Cole. And Michael Cole is, feels very rejuvenated as well. Now, I think... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's actually also just a good pro wrestling commentator uh, because he is such a fan of it and he's not so polished and buttoned up. And that, especially in the WWE universe, like that makes me like him a lot more when it comes to his commentary. Yeah. So yeah, at the end of the day, we both like him. We both like that yes. he is the commentator. I just don't think he's like a great, like, it, it's hard to explain how I feel about it. Like when I listen to him talk, I'm You're like, a hater. He, he might, he That's might not fully understand what he's saying or like he, 
there's just little disconnects in what he says. He's all a bunch of edibles, Jensen. Come on now, we hey, can hey, both hey, relate I, to that. I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. So of course um, he's not forming actual thoughts. I'm a he just fan. another edible. I watch the dude show often uh, on YouTube. So the Pat McAfee show. So like I'm I'm a fan. I'm just saying like, and my point is you don't have to be you don't have to be one of these uh, Michael Cole, Tom Phillips type guys. Like even though they're those guys are great at what they do. You don't have to be that mold. You can be a Don West. You can be a Pat McAfee and just be really, really enthusiastic and really love what you're watching. And I think that that there's a there's a spot for that. So fair. Let's move on to other our other spotlight. Jensen, I'll throw to you. What do you have in the other category this week? My other category. So this week, I, I gotta raise the question that I'm sure a lot of fans are asking themselves right now. Well, Cody Rhodes. And Conrad Thompson purchased Ring of Honor. Uh, probably. I mean, Cody's got plenty of money. Conrad's got plenty of money. I, if Sinclair's selling, even if they're not selling, feels like they should, right? Like, Code of Honor? Code of it's, Honor. It's right there. Bring like, back the ring. Roads of ring. Honor? Yeah. Yeah. It's I, all there. I, I love the idea. I mean, I mean, you can team up with Bischoff and Jarrett and they can, I mean, they can oh, do whatever they can, they can all, they can collectively buy ring of honor, NWA, MLW, all of it, they buy it all impact. Um, <laughs> my real other category this week is, uh, is actually from major league wrestling. We haven't talked about them a whole lot on this show. So I That's figured reason. I would, uh, I'd show them some love, uh, this week. And my choice is, Alicia Toot and Richard Holiday turned heel this past episode of MLW Fusion. And Toot was basically doing uh, Hammerstone had just won a match. She was announcing him as the winner, gave Hammerstone a low blow. Her and Holiday beat up the MLW champion Hammerstone. And then uh, Holiday holds the title up above his head, and him and Toot are making out and stuff. So um, my spotlight this week is the heel turns of a toot and holiday. Cause in storyline holiday is the best friend of Hammerstone. So this was like a big betrayal there. Um, so it was the heel turn a toot and, and holiday together on screen. And then do you think that Richard holiday could potentially be the next MLW champion? Does he beat Hammerstone for the belt? I, I like Richard holiday. I love the character. I don't even know how much it is as a character, but I, I love it. I love the personality. Uh, Alicia toot. I don't, I never saw her as like a managerial type role. So this, the fact that she's actually in this role is surprising to me. I need a little bit more time with that. Cause I'm so used to her just doing interviews and being that person, whether it's on screen, like on MLW television or doing interviews, like on her, her own channel. It very much be like, if Denise just became a manager on, on, on somebody's programming, it would be very weird to me because I'm so used to seeing Denise. Okay. She's a ring announcer. I get that. She's doing backstage interviews. She's doing commentary. She's doing interviews on her channel. She's a personality and stuff to see her on television as like a character would be very weird for me. And that's how I feel about a Alicia because I'm so used to seeing her one way. So I need a little bit more time to see how that sort of plays out. I don't see holiday being the one to dethrone Hammerstone. I think it's a good story between those two. I, I just don't see that. I don't think they're going that far with Holiday. I, it's a good direction to do Holiday and Hammerstone and add a new dimension to the Holiday character. I feel like Hammerstone, because like they did the long title reign with Fatu and then he beat Fatu. I feel like there's it's going to be sort of a bigger name to before uh, Hammerstone gets the throne. And 
it almost feels like they're setting that up for for cross i think cross is the one to honestly dethrone him because i'm not sure cross is going elsewhere and so he mlw just might be where he where he makes his hay and i could definitely see them strapping up carrying cross i think that makes a lot of sense yeah i think that makes a lot of sense for a lot of reasons um mainly the last point you just made that i don't see killer cross being like i i know he's a big name in wrestling but i don't see him being like super like courted right now by like AEW or anywhere else like i think mlw is probably going to be his main spot for a minute and i'm sure we'll do like josh barnett's blood sport maybe some gcw that kind of stuff but like um yeah that 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 was really the only thing i wanted to bring up with it i just i thought it was uh, a cool thing to see alicia get more uh more involved um i've always liked her as a as a commentator as an interviewer um, I think she's done really good on the indies. Like years back, she had some really good interviews with MJF and you know, MJF yeah. stating character and you know, really, really good stuff. Um, and I don't think that Holiday is gonna defeat Hammerstone either. And I do think Killer Cross probably, you know, if it was someone on like their current roster, I'd love to see a guy like Calvin Tankman get the title. Yes. But I but I could totally see Killer Cross coming in and and he matches up like physically really well with Hammerstone too. Like on like a poster, like the two of them in front of each other, like two big dudes look like they're going to kick each other's asses. Like, um, so, so yeah. And also just really quickly, I wanted to bring this up. This wasn't my spotlight this week because we have talked about him so much and we've already pretty much talked about all of this, but shout out to Matt Cardona for actually winning the NWA world heavyweight championship. Cause we talked about it a lot last week and now we'll see uh, what he does as the champion, but he did win the title on a non-televised event, a pre-taped show. So um, yeah, I just wanted to show, shout that out real quick because I have not forgotten. We've talked about that a lot, but me and Jeremy, if you if you want our thoughts on that last week, we basically came up with all the scenarios of like why they should put the title on him and all that stuff. So, I mean, he, then he went to Paris. He went to Disney Paris after after he won the title. It got buzzed, like it, it did. I still think it probably should have been like a live show, but it created what the buzz they were looking for. We'll see if it helps out there. Uh, YouTube or or Fight TV numbers, but it was like, it was the right call to to put the belt on him, even if I'm not a huge fan of the doing it on the taped show. Sure. What was your spotlight this week for our other category? My spotlight for other is we're finally getting the match years in the making: the Gorillas of Destiny against the Good Brothers at Impact No Surrender. Like, do I think this is going to be a great match? Probably not. Um, I'm not, I, I like Tamatanga's work for the most part. Tangaloa, like Doc Gallows is going to take two bumps. Carl Anderson, obviously a great wrestler, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know if this is like out of these four, especially like he, he's definitely going to have to be the workhorse in this one. Uh, I'm more just focused on we're finally getting this match because it feels like it's been teased for so long and, and it plays into sort of what I talked about, what we talked about last week is FTR and Briscoe's teased for so long, teased for so long. When is that going to happen? Who knows? We're finally getting G.O.D. against Good Brothers. I don't know how good it's going to be. The Good Brothers, I feel like, have been the Impact champions, Impact Tag Team champions for three years now, even though they've only been with the company for less than two. They've defended the titles, like, maybe once. But we're getting this match. They they appeared at New Japan Strong, again, about two years ago, and it seemed like it was going to set up. Never quite came to fruition. We've had the, the Bullet Club sniping with AEW involved, Kenny Omega and Young Bucks being involved. It feels like this match should be bigger, and it's just on Impact No Surrender. And I hate to kind of like put Impact where it's at in the pecking order, but Impact is where it's at in the pecking order. And this match probably doesn't feel as big 
as it should. And it's not all, it's not totally impact's fault. It's also the, they waited so long to do this. It felt like it was, it was uh, at its hottest last year when Kenta was, had just come in and, you know, Tematonga was taking shots at everybody on his podcast and on Twitter and, and the good brothers were still involved in AEW. And now it's, it is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I agree with all of that, you know, and, and it also gets extra convoluted because Violent by Design is involved in this story also. So like there's, it's, it just hasn't had the buzz that this should have had something like this. Um, and I'll also say that this is off topic, but it's, it's on topic, but off topic. All right, listen, a lot of people were talking about me last week when I shaved my face and you know, you can see a lot and my beard's coming back. We're, it's going back gonna, very we're, well in a pretty, week pretty much good to go if you want to give me thoughts on my my beard and all that stuff in the chat feel free but the reason i bring this up is because i don't know what the hell tama tonga was thinking he (laughs) shaved his beard and cut his hair well here's the thing like i'm sure it's comfortable and like i'm not going to hate on someone for just like you know changing it up or whatever but like he he looked like a pro wrestling superstar the way he looked yeah. before. Now he just looks like, like a regular dude that you just like see at Publix. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I don't like, I'm like, why would you like so much of what made you so like marketable was your look. And now you look totally different, but like just a lot lamer, but also shout out to him getting, you know, he got a new contract with new Japan. Good for him. Um, and, and I, honestly, as far as predictions, like, I think that uh, Tama Tong and Tonga Lo will probably win the Impact Tag Titles just because, like, because why not? Like, at least it's something it's not different. Title. I think it's non-title. Is it non-title? I feel. Let's look this up real quick, Jeremy. Okay, look at Impact. Look at I, no for some reason, I feel like it's non-title. Um, I think part. Of, I know part of the story is definitely that they're like they're kicking them out of Bullet Club if they win, kind right. of thing. Um, uh, no, it's for the World Tag Team Championships. Oh, okay. Um, I just I just assumed that God or that Bullet Club wasn't uh, defending the titles. Good Brothers just weren't going to defend the titles because it feels like they never defend the titles. Yeah, yeah. So and, well, that's and that's true. And that's kind of to my point is like, look, I'm not going to trash talk Gals and Anderson. I think they're good dudes. They're they're really funny. I love talking Shopamania shows and all that stuff. But like, they have done nothing for their buzz of Impact Wrestling with or without the titles. Like they just. They're very generic in the ring. Their matches aren't particularly exciting. Um, and I think this match will be probably pretty good. But I think it's just probably a better idea just to put the, the titles on G.O.D. Because like at least it's... Because like really nothing's happening with them, with, with the Good Brothers being the tag champions. You know what I mean? Like Maybe they can make something more interesting happen with G.O.D. as the champions. And then Good Brothers have to like beat them to like maybe almost keep their jobs kind of thing. I, I don't know. But... I feel like there's way more possibilities with Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa as the champions right now than Gallows and Anderson. That's just me personally. I I agree. I think that they they might put the titles on God and then do a rematch at Rebellion. I don't know. I I don't think anybody still knows what the Japanese situation is. I know there were plans of. The, those belts being defended over in Japan. I think when Finjuice had them, like Scott DeMar mentioned, eh, they're going to defend them in Japan, and then they never defended them in Japan. So that didn't work out. Obviously, the Good Brothers want to go to Japan, return to Japan at some point. Them being Impact Tag Team Champions would help Impact in, in some way. I feel like you could do a title switch here and then run it back a, in April. 
is that stretching it out too long again? Maybe we'll see, but I, I, I just think they, the good brothers are, are going to, are going to hold on to the belts. I, and I, I, I don't think I'd even try to do the rematch, honestly. Just do it here, and then whatever, Tamatanga and Tangaloa. I think Japanese restrictions are lifting a little bit March 1st um, to, with, with, when it comes to travel, so maybe they head back to Japan. The situation with Japan makes things a little bit difficult because you don't know how long people are going to be around in certain companies, but it just feels like the Good Brothers are probably just going to retain the titles here. Yeah. Cool. So I've got GAD, you got Good Brothers, but either way, unfortunately, there just isn't a lot of buzz like this should have. So yeah. Um, uh, if you want to hit the, oh, about to yep. actually ask about that super chat. Perfect. Yep. Throwback says, do you guys see NXT title on Mania Night One? Do you think there's a possibility that we have Ziggler versus Breaker on that card to fill a match spot? Chopper versus Ziggler is a takeover match. I don't think they're going to have the NXT title on Night One. I think now that it is NXT 2.0 and it does feel more connected with wwe there's a stronger possibility than there was in previous years i just don't think they're going to do it how about you um i don't know i guess i'm i'd say there's like a 30 percent chance i wouldn't give it quite like a 50 50 chance but i say there's like a 30 percent chance of seeing it i do think we'll see ziggler versus champa obviously and i do think we'll see ziggler versus breaker i'm a, i'm imagining they'll probably put ziggler over champa champa will go to raw full time and then ziggler will wrestle breaker for the title um but breaker will retain over ziggler um that's kind of just how i feel like it'll probably play out thank you throwback for the super chat i was good to see you man yeah appreciate you buddy uh i i mean they're doing a takeover night one of, of wrestlemania it's like saturday afternoon or whatever i could see ziggler against breaker headlining that show uh Z- ziggler's facing champa next week and ziggler can win that and let him go on a run in nxt we talked about this a lot last week but let these let these some of these wb guys have like actual runs in nxt because that's when nxt was very fun when cesaro would go down there and j- just do a run tyson kidd and the, he'd just go down there and like do a run like that was fun stuff in nxt ziggler is certainly a guy that could could use that the fresh coat of paint as they like to say uh the indies steven jensen what is your indie spotlight for this week so my indie spotlight this week is another one that I think fans have been rattling their brains about trying to figure out like if this scenario is going to happen, because I'm sure it's on so many people's minds. Will Cody Rhodes wrestle Brett Lauderdale in a death match for control of game changer wrestling? <laughs> Why is it he facing gauge? Would Lauderdale send gauge? Yeah, but I think Cody's trying to like take over, take over. Like he wants the, he wants to own the company. So like, you know, oh, I think okay. Brett, he didn't have to be him versus Brett, kind of like McMahon versus McMahon, you know, kind of. Oh, but I mean, breast, bleh, bleh, breast, bleh. Why can't I put these two words together? Bless Brett if he actually does the death match against Cody. Um, Sure. Like Cody, uh, Cody's going to do a GCW match. Wouldn't that be great? If Cody oh, just went in there and did a GCW, him and Mox for the GCW title, <laughs> even though like that's the thing about GCW though, was, like How Cody could wrestle, Cody could wrestle GCW the whole time being in AEW. <laughs> How pissed is Tony Khan if GCW books Cody and and Moxley and Tony just didn't didn't get it together to do it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, but I, I think I'll, I'll, I think Tony, me. I think mm-hmm. Tony nixes it. I think he goes nope. Not doing that. <laughs> uh, all joking aside, I I would love to see Cody actually wrestle a bit in GCW. I would I would that's a that is a massive dream of mine. Um, actually, how about you go first with your 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 real indie spotlight? Because mine kind of ties into the the interview. 
Okay. Uh, my next spotlight is Nick Wayne. And yes, he did uh, sign a contract with, with AEW that, according to, to Brian Alvarez, uh, doesn't like kick in full-time and isn't like official official until he's 18. So he's got, there's, I've seen disputes on whether he's 16 or 17. I'm pretty sure he's 17, right? I think he is now, okay. but like, but like as of recently. Okay. Uh, Cause like different websites are reporting different things. I, I think that F4W reported that he was 17 and I would imagine considering how close uh, the ties are with, with Brian and buddy that they would know his age better. For people who don't know, uh, Brian Alvarez was, trained by buddy wayne who yes. is nick wayne's father so. yeah so i would imagine they actually know his uh his age but more than you know him going to AEW, where does he fit in AEW? since that's at least a, a year out it would seem right now getting contract at 17 based on your work just around the indies and everything pretty pretty big deal out here and like he was he was supposed to be part of the the hammerstein show there was Cops got called, somebody snitched, and so he wasn't part of that show. He could be wrestling Will Ospreay at Joey Janela's spring break. Janela said he was going to try to make that happen. I would imagine he's going to have a monster WrestleMania weekend. He's going to be all over the place. He just wrestled uh, Christopher Daniels at Defy. That was the match that he lost, and Darby Allen came out and offered him the AEW contract. He's going to be wrestling Isaiah uh, Swerve Scott, Shane Strickland, Swerve the Realist, whatever he he's calling uh, right now, but he's going to be wrestling Swerve uh, at Defy, and in, in, I think that's the end of February. So, like, he's going on a run right now, and he—you know—you've seen more of his stuff than I have, Stephen Jensen. But I, from the little I've seen, very impressive stuff for a 16 now 17-year-old. Yeah. Oh, he's he's already very very good, and he's only going to keep getting better. And it reminds me kind of of like. Jordan Oliver, when Jordan was a little bit younger, he used to get a lot of like flack for being too like lanky and skinny. And like, because he was, Jordan was young when he started wrestling and now he's like in his early twenties and he's filled out more. He's still, it's like how I am. I have long arms and stuff. Like I can only get a certain amount of Jack, no matter what I do, but like that's going to happen for Nick Wayne also. Like anyone who's out there that's like, he's too small. He's too young. It's like, they're just, they're making an investment right now on this kid where he's already really, really good in the ring, like way better than I think anyone would expect. Like that's never seen him before. If you never seen Nick Wayne and you hear he's 16, 17 or whatever, and you watch his matches before you watch him, you're probably going to think, well, he's probably pretty good for like a 16 year old. Like, no, he's just, he's just actually really good. Um, and what I think is so cool about this is it gives a lot of hope to other literal kids like like teenage wrestlers like uh billy starks and starboy charlie and marcus mathers like these kind of wrestlers who now they can see this like clear path into aew without having to wait until they're 18 like now if tony khan wants to 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 do more of this because that's the thing nick wayne's incredible but i think Billy Stark, Starboy Charlie, and Marcus Mathers are as good as Nick Wayne is. Like, I think that if if Nick is able to get a contract, I think those three are able to also. And uh, and also you get a bonus potentially with Billy Starks because her dad, Robert Bellamy, better known as Mouse, is one of the best photographers in all of wrestling. So they might wind up, AEW might wind up getting like a ringside photographer out of it too, potentially. So like, um, I... Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm super super stoked for him, and I saw a lot of people saying, "Who is this guy?" And I'm like, just really watch any of his stuff, you'll be impressed. But specifically GCW, if you watch anything he's done in GCW over the last like six months or so, 
you'll know you'll know why there's so much buzz around him and why he got a contract so young. Um, mm-hmm. And once again, third generation, like it's not like his family's going to be for him doing these things. Like he's going to be able to accomplish stuff his dad and his grandpa like never got to accomplish in wrestling. So like it also isn't anything where it's like parents who are going to be like, oh, I don't know if you should do this. I'm sure Buddy Wayne is like, yes, take the deal. Let's go. You know what I mean? So like, I think it's awesome for Nick. I mean, you, you mentioned Starboy Charlie, and it seemed like he was on the fast track to a, a similar spot like this. I Mustafa Ali just tweeted that he's a fan of Starboy Charlie. Uh, Jonathan Gresham, he, he said he's like, he said he learned stuff from Starboy Charlie, which, you know, Jonathan Gresham's been around everywhere, wrestled everywhere. Starboy Charlie, a teenager, and he's learning stuff from him. It's very unfortunate he broke his leg in, uh, in October and you know, is working his way back from that. But it seemed like he was on a fast track to a spot very similar to this as well. well and he's been mentored and tag team with uh, Chris Dickinson, who's like one of the top names on the indies in the GCW. So like when, when Starboy is healthy again, like he'll be, and he's already been teasing it. He's been showing up at some of the shows and like getting involved in storylines again and stuff, but he hasn't wrestled yet. Um, but yeah, man, how, how exciting for, for someone like that. Imagine, Imagine being Nick Wayne as like a junior or senior in high school. And like on Wednesday night, you're at AEW Dynamite. Maybe you get a, a, a quick match, you know, against someone just so the fans kind of get to see you a little bit. And then like you get to go back to school. You'd be the coolest kid ever at school. Like you're on national TV at 17 years old doing wrestling. Like that's incredible. I'm really happy for him. And he's so good. Like and I, I recommend y'all check out the Weekender podcast that I do on Fightful Select. I've been talking about all these wrestlers, but like, if you want, if you want specifics on Nick Wayne, I've been talking about him. I mean, it's been, it's been years, but I mean, even more specifically, probably the last six months or so really saying like, I can't wait till he turns 18 because like, he's going to get signed so fast. And now it's like, it's already happened. So um, that's a really good spot, by the way, I'm not just tooting my own horn, but like, if you want to know more about (laughs) indie wrestling and kind of like who's up next and, and who to keep your eyes on who the people that will be showing up on your favorite mainstream wrestling shows. We talk about a lot of these wrestlers years before most people are over there. So like, uh, check that out. Uh, your indie spotlight for the week. Steven My indie spotlight is I already did the GCW bit, uh, with Cody. Um, so, so the, uh, uncharted territory season four, uh, which has traditionally been a beyond wrestling show at AC Mac recently won a match to get control of the show for the Southeast. So uncharted territory, independentwrestling.tv, use code fight talk out of TV. The uncharted territory show is not only going to be in the Southeast. What that also means is that the whole production crew and everyone involved is also going to be here regionally. So a lot more of the IWTV shows like action wrestling sci sup a lot of the shows some of them it's hard to like do live for we're gonna get a lot of live southeast wrestling shows soon on iwtv so there's a trickle down effect involved with with beyond terror beyond uh with uncharted territory i'm so used to saying beyond wrestling uncharted territory <laughs> with uh with uncharted territory um i believe it's going to be in the twe arena in chattanooga um is where i think they're doing that show um and uh, yeah, I'm really excited for it. There's a lot of really great wrestling in the Southeast. I've been saying it for years and they've been kind of 
on the radar for a lot of people, but I think this is going to be a big breakout uh, situation for a lot of these guys in the South, um, especially guys like, uh, like Merck and Damian Tangra and some of these guys that like, we really only see a lot in the South. I think it's going to be a big launching point for a lot of them uh, nationally and worldwide. So, um, so yeah, that's my spotlight on charter territory is coming to the Southeast for season four and independent wrestling.tv. And I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, AC Mack defeated Willow, Willow Nightingale um, at, at uh, Galentine's Day Massacre for Women's Revolution, Women's Wrestling Revolution event that, that was held this weekend to to get control. And you you are the the king of the Indies here on this show. But Uncharted Territory was a show that I would I would watch weekly. Um, I would have it on and you know pay attention to to what I could. But yeah, it was always beyond. It was always a beyond wrestling product, and it always took place uh, at, at White White uh, White Eagle, I believe, is the, the name of the. the thing. It sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's that same building that they do like all that stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's in Massachusetts. I've had to write it so many times writing up results. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it always took place over there. And when we had AC Mack on, you know, he said like the titles in the South now, like they had to come to the South, like beyond he got into the big, big thing with uh, beyond owner Drew uh, when he won the title and everything. He's like, IWCV is coming to the South. This is what's going to happen. And that's what's going to happen. And you're right that it seems like it's going to be a big spot for, for Southeast wrestling because now all those shows will be live and, you know, the uncharted territory series, which I think, and I could be, I could be wrong on this, but it, this is my own perception of thing. It feels like the biggest show on IWTV. Like it feels that, like the show that, that, that gets that's a, like, like for like a weekly type. Yeah. 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 And it's, if not, it's very, very high up there. I, I don't think you're, I don't think you're wrong by saying that. Yeah. It feels like the show that kind of like gets the most buzz week to week uh, is the Uncharted Territory show. And, you know, I think part of that was beyond wrestling because they do uh, really good shows and they bring in some top names and stuff. But now that that show is moving to Southeast and you know, whatever uh, promotion it's under, if it is under action or if it's just it's Southeast and it's they're still wrestling. trying to figure that out. Okay. I believe I, I asked about that and mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be it might actually be branded branded just as Southeast first presents Uncharted Territory. Okay. But there's a chance chance it might be under the action wrestling banner from what okay. I, I would imagine now they will be able to get some of these bigger names that you've you've heard of and then you can cultivate and rise the raise the uh raise the tide of southeast sort of like what beyond did with the the program uh uncharted territory where they got some bigger names for the shows but it really did put the the spotlight on uh the the northeast and, and those guys up there and boosting them so i feel like Southeast, they're going to utilize this to their advantage, and it, it will be big for for the Southeast. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, the interview portion today, I know we got to get to that soon, uh, but uh, we have John Mosley, aka Mose, aka Jumpin' Johnny Mosley, um, who is involved with all these uh, all these shows. He's going to be on commentary for for Southeast first. Uh, well, he was on commentary for Action Wrestling Southeast first. He'll be on commentary going forward with like. He's on Charter Territory shows. He's a part of Action. He's a part of SUP. Uh, he's a part of the, the whole scene. And he's he's all over the place. And you'll be hearing uh, all about that and more about what he has going on because he's a very busy guy. Does ring announcing, does uh, color commentary, books, book shows, KOBK, Killer Be Killed. Uh, he's promoting those, those events now. Um, and also just a shout out or, or a heads up on this interview the the internet connection was a little spotty at at points but we got the audio clear throughout the whole thing and so just bear with us if it's a little shaky like it's a really good interview here with with us and john mosley and uh and that was a great kind of segue because 
IWTV, Uncharted Territory, Southeast First, all this stuff. And uh, John Mosley, a.k.a. my buddy Mose, is a, is a great guy to be talking to this week on the Spotlight uh, Creator Spotlight. Guys, we're going to throw it over to the Creator Spotlight, as, as mentioned by Jensen. Mose, independent wrestling commentator, KOBK. Here we go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the interview portion of the Spotlight. We are joined today by john mosley aka mose aka jumping johnny mosley you know him as the voice of many independent wrestling promotions he is a commentator he is a ring announcer he is now booking his own shows you might know of the killer be killed group and the the new shows that they've been promoting so john mosley thank you for joining man a good friend of mine got him got him on the show how you doing man yeah man happy to be here thanks y'all for having me yeah Appreciate you joining us uh, today. It has been a recording this on Tuesday. It has been a hectic day. So, I, I mean, you're running your own shows with Killer Be Killed. Jensen, I'm going to jump in with this first question. When is Cody Rhodes coming to Killer Be Killed? That's what I think everybody wants uh, to know. Uh, <laughs> um, may have a couple. I'm going to try to get ahead of him, though I'm not against having <laughs> Cody Rhodes on a KOBK show. <laughs> yes. He, he he wouldn't fit in he, he wouldn't fit in so good with that crew i don't know kind of kind of different kind of different vibe you get from cody than the rest of those dudes huh no yeah yeah definitely though hottest free agent if a question mark going right now no doubt <laughs> <laughs> well mose you got a lot going on man so let the people know kind of how did you get in like a foot in the door when it came to independent wrestling? Uh, Cause like I said, now you're doing a lot of stuff. Um, but I know it was, it's been like a long process of you kind of slowly becoming like a Jack of all trades and now just becoming like really, really um, heavily utilized in the scene. Yeah. Um, the main thing I got told no a lot Um just kept coming back. Uh, I had a friend that uh, when I graduated from ETSU, I had a friend that has a, a small promotion in, uh, in Tennessee. And that's how I met a lot of people. That's where I met Brett. Um, so I just, I went there to help film. And after doing that for, I don't know, I mean, a few months, um, I just kind of started riding with Brett to places and driving places and um, I, I mean, anything they needed, you know, filming, I wasn't doing anything on camera yet. I was just just trying to, I mean, be a be a helping hand is all. Um, and then, really, I, it was the pandemic. I mean, I was doing commentary some um, on smaller shows, but when the pandemic hit, man, I just I was ready to go. Uh, a couple places, you know, let me put, put me in positions to really get some good reps, and um, and I just I, I've. I've gotten better quick because of Dylan Hills, uh, because of his advice and just working with him all the time. I mean, that's the thing too, is I've had to call some really not great shows like when I wasn't very good. So now that I've gotten better, I'm calling good shows with like really, really incredible talent. So it's just really, um, you know, taking that by the reins and, and really using it. And that's, that's where, you know, we get into the show and KOBK shows and stuff like that was just, learning, uh, using good opportunities and getting everything I could out of them. Um, a lot of help from like, you know, Carrie Offal at Crux. I learned a lot there. 
um, Action Wrestling, TWE, Southern Underground Pro. I mean, uh, the Scenic City. I'm around a lot of great minds, so I've gotten to really pick at them too, which has been like, I mean, I've only really been around wrestling um, for like four or five years, but I've gotten like a decade of knowledge in that. Yeah, you mentioned Dylan, who we talked about Dylan a little bit. We had AC Mac on, and you do a lot of work with him. Uh, who else would you uh, kind of put in there? I know like Struggles is another big one. Uh, who else has kind of been helping you out yeah. when it comes to the commentary side? I mean, Struggles gave me some advice uh, for sure early on. Um, Emil's giving me some advice. Sean Emil J. Um, I mean, it's really like my people too. You know, I, we we're hard on each other. A lot of professional like wrestlers and just talent a lot of them don't want to be, you know, they kind of want to be told good things versus the truth sometimes. So having Brett and Dylan and, you know, Heater and these, these, these guys that I know they're not attacking me They're you know, it, it's brutally honest. And that's made me get better quick because there's nothing worse than like knowing, you know, I could have called a match better. And then you know, Dylan is right there to kind of like this, this, and this. So that made me, um, made me get better quick, but I, I mean, it really is. It's, it's Brett, it's Dylan Hells. I mean, Dylan's like a mentor to me at this point, uh, with everything the last year. I mean, um, I, I would not be as good as I am or really be where I'm at without Brett Eisen or Dylan Hells for sure. Yeah. What is your, what is your approach when it comes to commentary? Because I watch a lot of independent shows. I see a lot of chatter when it comes to independent shows on Twitter. And a lot of times people are like the commentary is unprofessional. They're just cracking jokes and all this stuff. They're not actually talking about the matches. I've heard a lot of stuff where, and it depends on the show, you know, Nick Gage is showing up at shows and he's drinking and he's having a, he's having a blast out there. But like personally, like what is your approach when it comes to independent commentary? Um, yeah, I'm not a big – I'll have a drink or two only at sub shows. If I'm calling a, a Southern Underground Pro show, I may have, like, a PBR. Um, I, I like to attack it. You know, I want – we're there for the talent and ring. Um, I don't want to make it ever about me. Um, I don't want it ever to be about, you know, uh, getting a joke in or n- nothing – like to be honest with you guys nine times out of ten if i've like when i'm doing my homework through the week if maybe something like oh that'll be funny or like i'll try to work that in most of the time i don't because i i think what's really got me far is being genuine and i don't plan i mean it's everything i'm saying it's reactionary um doing a lot of homework the week of is the part of that i know you know if i'm calling your match like i've probably watched unless I'm literally calling, you know, a lot of the action talent, the Southern talent, I'm calling their stuff weekly. uh, So I'm not really worried about them as much. But if I'm kind of like, like I'm on the Blitzkrieg Pro Show, I'm making my my debut up there in a couple weeks. So that whole week, I'm going to be watching like so much of that talent. I mean, I'm familiar with them, but I want to know everything about you. So I don't have to think about it. I can just react. Um, I may hit my vape pen a little bit before a show to kind of, you know, calm down, maybe a little high. If things are going real well, intermission, I may hit the vape pen again. Um, but I really feel like when I'm out there, I, I just, I want it to be, I want you to leave your match if I'm calling it and just being like, you know, he did great on this. I Everything I want, um, which is those are the best messages is like, 
after the festival show, which I wasn't all the way happy with my performance there. There's a couple of things I wish I'd done different, but I had a couple of talent hit me up like, oh, you nailed this or this. And, you know, I really liked you saying that. So um, that's the best, uh, just knowing like, again, that I, I'm an instrument for you and for you to watch that match back and go, okay, cool. I'm glad he was there. That's, and that's the goal. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Southern Underground Pro there. And I definitely got to talk about that for a second mm-hmm. because that's how me and Moe's know each other, full disclosure, um, from my time yeah. living in Nashville. Yeah. And that was back when neither of us were really like that involved. Like we were like writing about it for like various sites and like podcasting and stuff like that. But for all intents and purposes, we were basically yeah. just fans that would go to these shows. And then you just kind of yeah. start seeing the same people at all the same shows. And you start talking to people, you start becoming friends with people. And, uh, and now, like, years later, like, I'm doing my thing with Fightful. You're doing your thing all over the place uh, in promoting shows now. Um, the vape pen you're talking about, I'm very <laughs> familiar with in the basement east. Um, shout out to the basement east in Nashville. Yep. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. It's funny how, how much has happened in just a few years. Uh, just going from pretty much just being a fan to being as involved as you are, man. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it was paying dues, man. It was a lot. I mean, it's, this is a, um, it's, it's a weird brotherhood. Like I say, it's, it's a brotherhood, but it's weird for me because I'm not a wrestler. I'm not a worker, but I've been accepted. I mean, you know, the first couple of shows I commentated on, like I did, it was so weird to go in the locker room. Like that's, you know, it, it, there's little things like that in wrestling that matter because of the respect level. Um, and, it took, I mean, it took a lot for me to kind of accept that in a weird way, I'm a part of that brotherhood. And that's, that's something I had to earn because you're right, man. Like I, I started out on the other side of the, uh, of the security gate there. I mean, uh, the first time I was ever in a locker room is, uh, Brett and I film, obviously I've made a lot of videos for him, but we've got like a little documentary, man. I filmed like two years of stuff. And that was the first time I ever was in a locker room was him literally like, I need you back here to film some of this stuff. So, uh, I mean, paying dues, you know, going to shows, asking to help. Um, that's made it to where I'm way, I feel more accepted. Um, but it is, man, it is really wild to think about, you know, like you're saying, having having more than a couple of PBRs and and really just being, you know, being a fan. And that that's the cool thing now is like, when promotions that I don't do commentary for come close and my friends are on those shows, I get to go and be a fan there. Like, you know, nine times out of 10, if I'm at shows, I'm working it in some fashion. So uh, it is really cool to like, you know, see, um, you know, see these guys out here and, and like, uh, and just go and just mark out for them again, because that's, that's what I am at, at the end of the day. It's just, I'm a, I'm a fan, man. Like you said, we, you know, I still remember talking when Brett uh, wrestled Alley Cat. Like, me and you had a really – we chilled an intermission of that one. And, like, that was just a really cool um, – just a really cool moment in life beyond all this. And now to say that I'm, you know, commentary – me and Dylan Hells do commentary for Southern Underground Pro. Like, it, it almost feels unreal uh, because of how, like, how crazy it is just to, just to know – I mean, like you're saying, how quick that happened – and now, like this last up show, I called like with fans in the basement, East bro. That was insane. Yeah, and I got a quick story about that. I remember exactly what you're talking about with the right after Ali Catch. Well, Ali Cat at the time versus Brett Ison. 
pretty bone time, storm yeah. championships. Yep. And we were both chilling right. on the uh, at intermission on the on the deck outside of the basement east. And um you were a little more involved then with knowing what was going on. And I remember yeah. we were just hanging out. And at the time I was just doing interviews with people, just random interviews, whoever wanted to do an interview kind of thing. And we're standing outside and you're like, Hey man, what do you think about that title match? And I was like, dude, that was a great match. Like, I don't know why that didn't main event though. Like they did the title match before the intermission and like Brett's like the face of this company and Ali's the heart and soul of the company. And like, I don't know why they would have done this at intermission. And you were like, yeah, man, I'm here. They got some wild stuff for the main event. And I was like, I mean, I guess we'll see. <laughs> and the main event wound up being Dominic Garini and Kevin Hughes. Oh, by the way, I'm wearing a sad comp shirt. That, that's how long I've been yeah, down. Shout out. Before sad they boys. were even balances forever, they were sad comp before they changed their name. That's right. And it was the two of them versus Cabana Man Dan and Marco Stunt, a.k.a. they might be giants. And it was an ultra violent death match in the basement East. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. That's why this was the main event. <laughs> like It was one of the most <laughs> brutal matches I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Insane you, dude. That was a crazy, <laughs> crazy day. You, you mentioned, uh, Ali catch Ali cat. Um, and now like she's one of the top, top wrestlers on GCW. And I imagine you have relationships with some of, some of these wrestlers that, Go back uh, for, further back, like like you guys have been talking about. What is it like for you? You mentioned your come up, but now you get to see like your friends come up as well, and they're wrestling at the Hammerstein Ballroom. I, I see you got the the ECW hat on there, like that. That was obviously a big spot. Like now, you I met you're seeing a lot of your friends wrestling at the the Hammerstein this past month. Like, what does that what does that mean for you? Oh man, it, it was nuts. I mean, uh, AJ Gray. You know, like I've I've known AJ. Gosh, I've probably known AJ at least three or four years. Um, so, I mean, that was incredible. Jordan Oliver is a guy that uh, I, I got to know because of his time coming down here and helping getting him booked a couple places. Uh, it's incredible, man. Like, that's that's the stuff where because of how much homework I do, because of all the extra prep time I like to put in, I don't get to watch a ton of wrestling that I'm not involved in, but I always make a point to, like, I haven't watched, like, I guess the Hammerstein show was the first one in quite a while that I've watched, you know, start to finish GCW. But every GCW show, you know, I'm going to watch Jordan's match. I'm going to watch Hoodfoot's match. I'm going to watch. I mean, it's like you're saying, like, I can just be a fan and understand that, like, the first time I saw Hoodfoot, it was like a comedy thing. Like, he did, uh, he was like, he was in the orange jumpsuit, like, just got off the block or something. And now you know he is like just i mean the last six months very few names are just hotter on the independent scene because of of what it means when you have hoodfoot on your show now so uh you're it's it's really hard to put into words other than knowing like like obviously that's where i want to be like i i'm very happy where where they where i'm at now but it, it's exciting to know like these talents that have just worked so hard for so long and been told no and you know been told this and that and now they they did that like they had that amazing show that like everybody saw and they got to have moments whether you know like aj wants us to you know we're going to remember those moments whether uh whether everybody wants us to or not from that show and that's that's just that's the coolest <laughs> yeah yeah a name you mentioned a few times here is brett that being brett eisen 
who for all intents and purposes is basically the leader of KOBK. Like y'all are all a family, but like he's yeah. kind of, it's fair to say he's basically the leader of, of your group. Right. And, and, you know, shout out to all those guys. I don't, I don't want to miss anyone, but it's got, you got you, you got Brett Eisen, you got heater, you got Lutha, you got Sean Campbell. And who am I missing? Akira is, am I missing anyone there? Akira. I think I got everyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, no, that's, yeah, that's the crew of Sean Campbell. Shout out Sean Campbell. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah. I'm glad to see it. Cause he's only what, like 19 or something still. So yeah, yeah, he's twenty. He's, he may be about to turn twenty or twenty-one. I can't remember. He's he's a young gun. So um, I I know you on a more personal level, but like for people watching this, kind of what goes into y'all's decision making on who gets in with your crew? Um, we really so we really hadn't planned on this until uh gosh it had to be maybe last october or something like there's a couple months before uh i've gotten close close with sean um i didn't realize how long i'd known him brett uh has known him for a few years uh all of us really like sean so it's that thing of we like we really liked him and, and just respected his attitude and like like you said very young but already has a great brain for what he wants to do very good very confident um so we kind of had all those marks and then on top of that we just, he just fits in well with us like he's super duper reckless in a great way in the ring and kind of that same attitude outside of it we can all be together and like kind of we, we all i mean it's that weird thing where we all kind of pick pick around each other and and it's so much fun and he fit in well and and he does man he just fits what it means for each other to you know to have that to to wear those letters because of, you know, stuff we've been through and the attitude we face of, you know, whether good, bad, or ugly, like, you know, it's, it's, it comes down to the, the morrow sometimes, the bone marrow and like Campbell fit and it happened. It was, we had talked about the day of like, we think we're going to do it. And then like, to your point about Brett, it was, Brett said, I, if, you know, if we want it to happen, like I'll come get the mic from you. So that match ends. He's right there to get the mic from me. And uh, it was, it's such a great moment um, that we got to have with him. Uh, but it is, it's like a, um, it's like an unspoken thing of like, we just kind of knew uh, Brett brought it up to me and we brought it up to heater. And then we all talked about it with Akira and Luther one night. And it it's, it's again, that weird thing where it just kind of worked. And now um, I, I'm really excited to see what he does this year. He's already had, a couple of really crazy matches um, fresh into the, you know, fresh into the year of February. He's already put his body out there. I'm really hoping we see him a lot at TWE more this year. Um, but, but he's, uh, he's one that definitely high on for so many reasons, Sean Campbell. What are your like overall goals? I mean, Jensen mentioned you're running shows. You're obviously doing commentary. Where do you, I don't want to say, where do you see yourself in five years? It sounds like a job interview, uh, but like, wh what are your overall goals? I think I just, I mean, it, I've changed a lot the last six months, uh, six months ago. La last year, I really, I put, I, I wanted to be everywhere. You know, I wanted to be on every promotion every weekend. If I could, I'd call it every match. Um, but it just, you can't do it, right? It's just not possible. Everybody has their people. Um, so I, I had a great year. I think I ended up doing, um, I think I, I think I did commentary in like nine, eight or nine states last year. 
um, for Counting Mania weekend where I called, you know, a bunch of different promotions for family reunion. Um, I think 13 different promotions. So I kind of, without really meaning to, I knocked off a lot of goals right there. So right now it's put on big for the South or we're going to have a big year. Um, Southeast wrestling, Southeast first. Um, I, I just want to keep getting better on commentary. I mean, I would love to call some matches, you know, with struggles with Emil, uh, keep, keep calling matches to Dylan. Uh, I, I, to your point, I want to call matches with my friends in big moments. Like that's like, if I could be anywhere, it would be calling like, a, you know, one of Jordan's matches in Hammerstein. Like that's, that's really cool to me. The showboat or just kind of somewhere that big moment, um, because I've been blessed to call. Uh, a lot of really great matches with my friends um, down here. So I just bigger stage. Um, as far as KOBK shows, like keep surprising everybody. Keep, you know, keep having our show come from a great place. We talked about it a million times, but uh, we had a lot of things go against our way that first show. But it came out great because of our energy and the fact that that locker room knew that that whole show was put together for them, for the fans. I mean, it came from a real place. So just want to keep putting on real shows. We've got uh, May 7th, our next show. Um, we're going to put on three total this year. So, um, and, and we're going to be back in December with no ring in the TWE arena. Um, I've already got some kind of crazy ideas for that one. So just kind of keep getting better. Keep being entertaining, man. Keep, uh, keep having people say they had a great time. I mean, Multiple people told me our last show was one of the best they've ever been to. And like, I just more of that, please. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, check it out on IWTV. Use code fight talk if you want um, over there. Please. And yeah, see that helps me and Bose because we, we do some work <laughs> together. So, um, but it's one of those things where like, if y'all don't know what happened in this first show, basically before the show started, the ring broke. So they didn't yeah. even have a ring for their first ever show. And all the wrestlers on the fly had to basically just be like, all right, I'm down and like, figure it out, you know? And they did. And the show ruled. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a ring. It broke. I had a, a second ring that an hour before, uh, an hour before doors. Uh, nope. Can't get that ring. Like we got nothing. And Brett, just told me I'll behind I'm behind the TWE arena. Like I can feel my heart breaking. And Brett goes, Man, we got two choices. We either cancel and we can't do that. Or we just we do this. We we're gonna set this down and we're gonna go. Um I offered I offered everybody booked. I said, listen, I don't expect you to rest, you know, to, to do this. I'm gonna pay you no matter what. Um but don't feel like you have to do this if you don't feel comfortable. And it was like not a hesitation. Um, I mean, the first person to say uh, like, was Masha. She was very excited about this opportunity. Uh, <laughs> uh, Eric Royal was another one, man. Uh, you know, I just everybody, everybody on that show. I, I, I mean, I still they they're probably sick of me. I'll send like a two a.m. thank you text for something three months ago. Like, I thank you uh, because it was it was it was a home run. I mean, it took me a while. Um, I was upset, man. That's the weird thing. I left, I was upset all night. I didn't sleep all night because it wasn't the show I had in my head. And I got a message from Dylan saying, um, 
you know, don't don't let the show you had already booked in your head mess up the show that happened because what happened was really cool. Um, but yeah, please, anyone that hasn't, please go watch it. Our IWTV numbers went very well. Um, we are going to be live streaming May 7th. Um, that's official. So uh, I just, yeah, I, I, we as of now, we have a ring. Uh, I've told Steven this. Uh, assuming assuming everything goes well, we will only have one no ring show a year in December. One, only one. Yes, one one scheduled. Like the others are yes. supposed to have rings. There's one oh. that will intentionally not have a ring. Um, and <laughs> and, and it, just quickly too, the worst thing the worst thing too was everyone loved the show, right? So I have multiple messages like, "Oh, just always do these shows," and I'm like, "I want to book. I want to book a wrestling show." <laughs> Well, you've got you've got the one show a year. It's it's almost I guess like the anniversary show of hey, like we're gonna exactly. remember when yeah. when the ring broke for that show, and we're gonna run that back every year. I like that concept. I think it's tremendous. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I I had to. I mean, I had to because it was. I mean, the next day I'm all down on myself, and I'm just getting you know every show KOBK has to do this no ring, and I messaged Brett like, I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. and that it was it, you know, and it was Brett's idea. He's like then why don't we just do an anniversary December thing? Um, but I, I've told Steven that I think before, like it's, it's so, it was like success is so great, but it's also like not the success you want. So it's that weird thing where you're like, everything went well, but like, I, I want to, I want to ring. Like I want to wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Well, because we're putting together like all these dream matches on the assumption of like you can put on the matches you have in your head with the wrestlers yeah. that you that you wanted to book against each other. Um, oh man, it's like the Nick Iggy. We have Nick Iggy versus Cole Radrick on the sold out show from this past December on IWTV, and that the match we got was not at all the match we would have got in the ring. And it's such a weird thing of how it worked. Like it's just again a credit to I mean the locker room. Like I can't. I'm eternally thankful to everyone that was on that show. It, it added like an extra level of like, I, I don't like using this term as wrestling fans don't, but like realness in that show, because people had to come out there and like improvise, like yeah. people like who would normally have like a top rope finisher or something that like required the ring. Now they're hitting like stiff lariats instead, or they're using like, <clears throat> they're doing tornado DDTs, but instead of using the ring, they're jumping off the wall of the building. The wall, yeah. and, stuff. and like, and, and the crowd was super into it. Shout out to everyone who was there live because they, they were hot as hell the whole time. And, um, and also, man, speaking of all this and speaking of Southeast first and just, you know, Southern independent wrestling, uh, we both know as, as does the world at this point, like it's, <laughs> This house is about to blow up big time uh, because Uncharted Territory is coming down south. We've got a lot of stuff. I mean, a, a lot of these IWTV shows, it sounds like we're going to be getting live now uh, that we might not be getting live before. Um, so, like, this is really, like, the best time ever to be a fan of independent wrestling, especially if you're a fan of the Southeast scene. It's I, I it's hard for me to put into words of how excited we all are. It's um, it's something that it, as as proud as we are, uh, uh, especially these last few years, like um, you know, I, so much talent in the South right now. That's not the goofy talent, the you know the the goofy kind of promotions that the South gets a bad rap for. I mean, you know, between Derek Neal, Adam Priest, you know, Merck. Jaden Newman, uh, it's just 
this talent right now that because uh, it really has felt like independent wrestling's ran to the Northeast for a while, and those are great promotions up there. But even with shows like Action and Southern Underground Pro and a couple others, you know, really putting on great shows, we still feel so overlooked at times because it still is like the best of the best in the Northeast. And it's like, well, yeah, some are, but like some are down here. So to see those those talents and then like a Sean Campbell again, so young, maybe with a, a few more cameras on him um, the next few months or however this this year, it's exciting, man. It's exciting to be a part of it. Um, you know, it, it's something that I really feel like as all the times I was told no and all the, the times things didn't really work out and my bad commentary and, and, and just maybe given things, uh, I called a Southern Underground Pro match years ago that I just, I look back on, I was not ready for. And I told myself if I ever got back, you know, it's going to be the best I could ever be. So hitting my stride like I am now with it being this year, it's just, uh, it's an honor to whatever part I end up playing in this. It's going to be really, really exciting and really something that I know I'm going to hold on to. So I'm going to say it again to, to Dylan and to Matt Griffin and everybody at Southern Underground Pro, just people that believed in me, uh, Jade Newman at TWE. Like it, it's, um, it's something that I'm going to bring that back, that energy back to y'all big time. Well, we appreciate you joining us here on the show. Let everyone know where they can find you, where they can find your work, and where they can uh, check out KOBK shows. Please follow me on Twitter at MostKOBK. Uh, yeah, as as mentioned, uh, our first inaugural show, Sold Out, is on IWCB now. Please go watch that. And then May 7th, uh, KOBK Blood on My Jeans will be live, streaming live from the TWE Arena tickets to go on sale i think i'm gonna drop them like march 1st um and also lastly please anyone watching and listening whatever uh february 26th couple weeks i'm making my commentary debut for blitzkrieg pro uh, up in massachusetts pretty crazy card shout out o'shea edwards um i'm really excited about it it's something that like i said that last year really grinding this is a big moment and something i've worked for and uh and thank you to blitzkrieg and thank you to everyone that said my name on twitter um, that got me there. So anyone that could watch that, please do. I was about to ask that. That was the one where Blitz Creek was on Twitter looking for commentary. And I did see O'Shea drop your name on there. I think I did as well. I, I remember seeing a, a thread and it was like Moe's, 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 Moe's. And that, that is what got you the booking. It 100% is. I, it was a lot of the locker room, a lot of the boys and, and girls that support me. They, that was really, like you said, it was O'Shea and then it was Jaden. And I think you did and Akira and these people I look up to and respect and just love uh, putting their necks out and their names out for me. And I was, I was literally true story. I was at a bar uh, with my wife, Haley and Hardway heater eating burgers and drinking uh, Tecates. And my, it's, I have a DM from Blitzkrieg Pro. Hey man, what you doing? So uh, to share that with heater was really cool. Um, but yeah, again, thank you everyone. Uh, now, whenever someone says, why, why do you go on Twitter so much? I'm like, yo, I actually got a booking from Twitter. <laughs> do, do you owe Jensen a booking fee? Like, do you, do you have to give him part of your cut Jensen and, and O'Shea and everybody that, you know, hey, tied man, you in that do one? not, 
do not get that started because they, they <laughs> I assure you they'll want it. And uh, I'll be like, O'Shea, I assure you your envelope's going to be a little thicker, buddy. Don't worry. Just, <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, th- thanks for joining us, Moe's. It's always, it's always a pleasure. And uh, if y'all want to hear me and Moe's, we talk MMA pretty often on my on my podcast. So he's a big UFC fan. Um, show him some love. Make sure you're following him on Twitter and all that good stuff. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We'll be right back here on the spot. Not speak. I had my mic muted. That no, I, yeah, I just, I just, I just fixed the mute on my end too. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear you now. <laughs> All right. I was saying that that was Moe's from KOBK and, and doing a million things when it comes to independent wrestling and commentary. Uh, Steven Jensen put that one together. So I appreciate that. And Moe's was, was tremendous, doing a lot of cool things right now. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully you can hear both of us now, everyone in the chat. Um, I did get permissions uh, before we went live. So I just saw little little microphones because I got to get set up for tomorrow. I'll go ahead and just plug my stuff right now and get out of here. I know there's other people who have shows that y'all want to watch. So I'll get myself out of the way. Tonight, twitch.tv slash Fightful Gaming. Myself and Joel Pearl will be playing Mario Kart. If you have a Nintendo Switch, then come game with us. We'll give out the code and you can play with us live in our tournaments. It's a lot of fun. Tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, myself and SP3, Fightful Overbooked. We got Degrassi Dudes. That's every single Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We're going to be doing a debate. I will be debating in favor of Gavin Spinner Mason. He'll be debating in in favor of Manuela Manny Santos. So Spinner versus Manny, who is the best character in the history of Degrassi. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow morning. Saturday night, myself, Denise Salcedo, Fightful main channel, youtube.com slash Fightful, the same place you're watching this right now. We're going to be reviewing Impact No Surrender right after the show. So join us for that. Everything else I got going on this weekend. Oh, and of course, Fightful Select Weekender Podcast. It's every Sunday talking independent wrestling, FightfulSelect.com. Everything else I got going on, I'll keep updated on my Twitter at FightTalk underscore. And please use code FightTalk on independentwrestling.tv. There you go. Jensen is everywhere doing a million different things. Guys, you can go to youtube.com slash Fightful Overbook. You can just go to FightfulOverbook.com. It takes you right to our YouTube page. Um, we have daily content every day. We have a grappy hour with, with Joel and, and Lily uh, throwing back some drinks and talking the, wor- the world of wrestling. We have coexisting with Rob and Maggie. That is live, I believe, tomorrow at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, if you are looking for Day After Dynamite on Fightful Overbook today, it has been pushed back a day, so it is two days after Dynamite. Oh, I was rushing to get out of here so people could go watch Will. Okay, he's not on today. I didn't yes, know Will, Will is Will is not on today. He he is on tomorrow. Uh, he he had scheduling change that uh, that he that he tend to, so he'll be on tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern, uh, reviewing Dynamite and talking all all the the fallout from Dynamite and some Cody stuff, I imagine, as well. Plenty of stuff on Fightful Overbooked. As as Jensen mentioned, Degrassi Dudes. We have stuff this weekend. We have a live episode of Demo Divas this weekend with uh, Jaychelle, Kylie, and Haley uh, at 11 a.m. Eastern, right before the Saudi show, uh, previewing that, talking the weekend women's, women's wrestling as well. Get daily content on that channel. Go over there, subscribe. Share Delaware does Strong Style, where she talks about the fashion in wrestling. So much content. We we are literally overbooked at overbooked. I have new stuff coming, hopefully starting next week on the channel as well. Subscribe to Fightful Select. Support Steven Jensen. Support the Stardust. 
guys we'll catch y'all next week 2 p.m eastern right here on fightful the spotlight we appreciate y'all say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.